is it? Hey! Hey! hey. <laughs> well, I, I would like to welcome everyone to this broadcast. This is a summer broadcast. Yes, it is. Yeah. I'm uh, fortunate to have uh, probably the favorite, you know, people like you the best, John. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Thank you. You, you know why? Because you're just a happy-go-lucky Thank guy. Yeah, I don't give no a... No conflict. I don't, I don't give a darn. You're not going to be giving anyone any information they don't want to hear. No. Like, no. I'm sorry, sir. That that camera will never work again. Yes. I'm sorry, sir. No, you cannot get parts for this camera. All I got are jokes. Yes. That's fun. Right. John. It's everyone's fun in love with John. I got the fun inside me. John Fidelli. Well, John Fidelli's not going to be here for the whole show. Oh. John just stopped in. Uh, Kicking to... me out? <laughs> well, no, you're leaving. When the big boys come? Yes. Okay. Well, John, John can't stay for the whole show. Yeah, I never can. But uh, I want to welcome everyone to the Film Photography Podcast. Yes, ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is the long-running podcast broadcast uh, about uh, motion picture film and still film. Everything film. film. What, what number of podcasts is this? 148? This is 148. Wow. How would you know that? I keep up. Oh, jeez. Oh. Sorry. I gotta put that on quiet mode. Yeah, get out of here. Although that's a really my uh, ringtone is a song that Kevin wrote, and then Dane put some stuff on top of it. It's really silly. Oh, what's it sound like? You want to hear it? Yeah, I want to hear your ringtone. Oh, jeez, I just answered that call and I didn't want to answer. Oh. You know, you folks, you can go into your smartphone, providing you still, you know, you don't have a flip phone, and you could uh, program a, a ringtone specifically for. Do you want to hear it? People, yeah. There it goes. It's noisy. It's way too noisy. That's crazy. No, we put the very end. And that's a ringtone for only specific people. No, that's for everybody. Oh, everybody gets to enjoy that. Uh, this is what. This is the ringtone that. Uh, Mark Dalzell and Dane get. So when they call, I know it's them. This is what you hear. Some smooth sailors. Yes. Yeah. That's one of Mark's favorite uh, Is it sessions. really? Yeah. Mark doesn't like very much of what we do, but when he likes something, he loves it. For folks who listen to this show always... What show? It's probably a, very, a Pavlovian dog kind of... Like, that's the song we use for the dark room when we talk about oh, the dark right? room. Oh, Okay. Yeah, so that's the cue music for that. Boy, boy. So, how do you like your new updated phone? I, I like my phone. It's been a, a year sen- since you've had yeah, that. Yeah, one year. Wow. Sam- you were still using a flip phone a year. A flip phone. I was losing a flip, flip phone, phone a, a year, year ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, since few the few folks who like have the Pavlovian uh, name this tune. No, no. You, we oh. could put this on. Be like, Hey, gang. Hey, the dark room. <laughs> it's a spot. It's like the, yeah. talk about the dark. The darkroom.com is a lab on the West Coast in San Clemente, and uh, they've become the default go to lab. Go to lab. And yeah. it's a very organic type of thing. They're not an advertiser. We don't have any right. advertisers, there's no ads. We just on, likes them. Yeah, we likes them. 
and uh, they process our test film because we test a lot of films. Mm. Me talking about the darkroom would have gone south a very long time ago if I were not getting feedback from listeners. Good, good feedback. F- great feedback saying, oh my God, they took care of me. They did a great job. So, mm. I mean, they're doing a really wonderful job out there on the West Coast. Yep. Keith and Phil and... The gang. The gang. Joe. Joe who? Joe's in the lab. So today on the show, Mark Dalzell will be here, and Leslie Lazenby, and Matt Marash, and Mark O'Brien. Wow. Yeah, the whole gang. More fun. More fun, but not for John. Uh, Really fast, I want to talk about some new, new, exciting things. We recently added expired motion picture film in the FPP. Oh, is that right? Yes. 16 mils gameter? Not yet. 35. 35. 35 millimeter. To, it's, oh, it's oh, oh. Uh, 24 yeah. exposure. Okay. For, for film cameras. Okay. For still Sorry. cameras. I got you. And it's called uh, EXP Vision. EX. Yeah, EXP. Expired. What's it like? Uh, I tested uh, two rolls so far. Yeah, I got one it? roll right in my AE1 today. Oh. It comes 100 daylight, 250 daylight, or 500 mm. tungsten. Beautiful. You know, uh, it's called um, short ends. Yes. That's where you got them from? You're rolling short ends now? Uh, a gent by the name of Mike Caputo from Hawaii. Hi, well, Hawaii. Aloha. Hawaii. He emailed me. He's like, I have a mountain of film. And he knew about the FPP. Wow. And he thought, oh, maybe your listeners want to shoot it. Heck yeah. And it was all different dates, all crazy dates, like, like year, how? year 2000. Oh, I mean, boy. that's 16-year-old. In the year 2000. <laughs> that's 16-year-old film. Yeah, it's a 16-year-old bit from Conan, too. <laughs> but it was, all, it was stored in it the was fridge. It was refrigerated. Yeah, refrigerated. Yes. That's it's, the key. Did he pack it in dry ice? How did he no, ship it? No, we just shipped it. Okay. Yeah, it's fine. Uh, also, another tip, I get a lot of emails from people really having the film sweats, like really having the film sweats <gasps> over, well, how can you, sh- yeah, how can you send me the color infrared film? We offer color infrared film in mm. the store. If Kodak specs say it has to be refrigerated all the time. Mm. Uh, 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 How? You have to take in consideration that even Kodak, even you know, the masterminds of Kodak, take into account short shipping times. The enemy of film is long-term exposure to heat. Uh, quick mailing, yeah. a quick mail is not going to do a darn thing. Like what's long-term, like years? Or are you talking like a month? Uh, well, with the color infrared film, when you get it, oh, you should throw it in the fridge. Yeah. Infrared. You want to keep it nice and cold. As I call it. And then every other film, you know, if it's room temperature, it'll last years. Yes. Well, when I say room temperature, I guess it depends where you are. Hmm. If you're in near the equator, Not so someone much. listening is like, oh, room temperature. <laughs> 80, 100 de- 80 degrees. degrees, yeah. So, what do you got, a letter? Well, yeah, I got a letter that's, you know, talking of infrared film. This is from Rosemary Hawkins. Oh, okay. Uh, she says, thanks again for all the wonderful podcasts. Every two weeks, I really look forward to all the newsletters and information about rare films and cameras. Here's a little package with a camera and an extra gift. The camera is the weatherproof Canon WP-1, which I took out in the January blizzard in New York, and it held up well. I don't think oh. I will use it in the water, so maybe somebody else will do that. Waterproof. Waterproof. Okay. Yes. It's waterproof. Waterproof camera. She says, thanks so much for continuing to sell all the rare films. I'm so happy I can still order the color infrared, which I'm looking forward to using again now that summer is coming, which is now infrared time. Yep. Yeah, baby. I really appreciate the efforts you go to. I also appreciate your attention to unusual formats and cameras. I've experimented with panoramic and pinhole cameras in the last year, and it's a great learning experience, and it wouldn't have happened without the FPP. Oh. 
So there's some, some long-distance love from Rosemary Hawkins. One other thing she uh, mentions, which I thought I should mention, she, yes. she sent 10 buttons featuring old-timey oh, film and yeah. camera logos. Yeah, 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 yeah. She said there's a guy on Etsy selling these. So uh, there's Canon, Polaroid, Hasselblad, and lots of Kodak logos. Thank you very much for the buttons. I think they're awesome. Yesterday I wore the Kodak button. Uh, Rosemary, uh, we ran a special last month where if you buy three rolls of film, you get a free camera. And I had uh, that underwater camera, the Canon, like all earmarked, Mm. just like be sent out to an FPP person. Mm And John came in, and what did you say? You were like, oh, I'm really looking for an underwater camera. I I was looking for a 35-millimeter underwater camera because the only one I could find was a Nikonos yeah. It's like big and bulky and blah, blah, blah. If you were by yourself or with one other person and you had the time mm-hmm. to be like, okay, yeah. I'll use the Nikonos. Yeah, but I got two but punks have, in the water that I got to keep from drowning. You have so your children. You just nonsense. want a point and shoot. Exactly. And Rosemary ran down the hallway, literally. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if Justin shipped that out. And here it is, the WP1. I'm like, oh, my God. So, Rosemary, I'm giving this to John Fideli. Yay. And I don't I, get nothing from this show. And this is three rolls of film in here, too. Oh, really? Yeah. Nice. I think there's a Shmina color. Shmina. A black and white 200. 200. And a a retro chrome 160. Oh, fantastic. Perfect for the camera. Yeah. Well, you need some a little bit. I think you need like a four hunch for underwater. Although, maybe not. Maybe two hunch would be all right. It has flash. Oh, does it? I don't know. Let's see. I'm not a flash guy. Underwater, you want the flash. Ah. Well, I took that Minolta. Oh, yeah, underwater, you want the, the flash. The Minolta 110. Yeah, yeah. I shot that under the water, no flash. Yes. Came out nice. Came out beautiful. I used four hunch. Oh. Got some beautiful shots in Turks and Caicos. Well, this is, this is, uh, camera has a sensor in it. I think it reads the ISO, so regardless mm. of what film you use, I think, I think you'll be. It'll flash. Yeah, you'll, no, you'll be good, I think. Oh. If you just put, yeah. I, if you just put on auto. Auto. Yeah. Auto. All right, cool. Thanks, Rosemary. You're the bestest. Yeah, you are the bestest. I love the people who listen to this show. You guys are really, really great. Well, people are very enthusiastic because you're you are Mr. Positive. You're Mr. Super Positive. Oh, Super Positive. Because you light a fire under people and get them involved more in photography than I think they ever would be. I'm very excited. Also, really, I have to quick quickly say the new, brand new, new, <gasps> new. What? I mean, the formula is the same. Yeah. It's the exact same kit. Mm. The color negative C41 kit comes in one liter or two liter. It's now the FPP color negative C41 kit. You've branded it? That's right. Wow. That's right. Mr. Big Shot. That's right. It's now the FPP kit. Cool. Check it out. I'm very excited about that. That's awesome. It's like when Kodak brands their CVS film or Fuji brands their CVS film. Yes. So it's the same. Same old film, different package. Yeah different ugly baby but i really we i talked a few seconds ago we'll get to the letter in a quick second i talked a second ago about the exp vision film exp it's 3.99 a roll oh that's good that's ridiculous that's good it's freaking ridiculous so if you are doing your own color processing shoot the vision film yeah heck yeah it's just one extra step so color processing you have not done it yet right to yourself you have a developer it's so easy it's so easy, folks. You take the chemistry, the it's developer, so and the what's called so Blix, bleach fix. Yeah, yeah. And you, it's in a one liter container. You put it in a bucket. You fill the bucket up with scalding hot water. Scalding hot. Scalding hot. And then you, you keep them it. in the bucket while you're, let's say, you're putting your film on your reel. By the time you come back, it's heated up to like 109 degrees. Yeah. All you do, you do a pre rinse. So you have your film in a can, in a bucket. No, in the. In a little uh, tumbler. What do you call the it? container. In the can, uh, 
There's a proper word that you should know. That's called a film. Uh, it's called it's the film a container canister. Film can. Film. <laughs> Holder reels. Reeling. Uh, Real can. <laughs> when you have your, your, your film in the thing. In the thing. Uh, you do a quick, Once you get it on the spools, yes. in the thing, yeah, you pour it's rin- light tight. Pour water in there. You do a quick rinse, quick rinse. like two minutes. Pour right. it out. Then right. you pour your developer in. Why do you, why do, you do the quick rinse? Just you, to wet the film. So, uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Want to wet the you whistle. pour the developer in yeah. for three and a half minutes. Okay. That's do you it. keep turning it or something? Yeah, you do a little agitation. Okay. I'm good at that. And then you pour it back. You pour it back. You could... Pour it back in you, the bottle. Yeah. If you're doing... Um, the uh, Kodak Vision motion picture film, the film that has this dreaded quote-unquote uh, ramjet on it. Still got those two rolls. Yeah, it's a big nothing. Uh. Anyhow, <laughs> I've received an email from a guy who's like, oh, when I poured the chemistry back in the bottle, it was black. Oh, jeez. I've never experienced that before. Oh, he wow. was using Fuji film, though. Ah, uh, hi. Uh, Fuji doesn't make motion picture film anymore. Oh. Uh, Kodak won the bid with Hollywood. Yeah, <laughs> get out of here, Fuji. So when you pour your developer back in the bottle, you could use a coffee strainer. I see. Just to get, to get some, out the bits. Yeah, take the bits out. Right. If it's a little bit different color, I wouldn't worry about it because it's just Remjet. It's just a, it's just yeah. a carbon base. Don't yeah. worry about it. It's not going to ruin it. Ah. So, okay, then you no rinse. Then you put the Blix in for six minutes. Blix! Yep. That's your bleach fix. Six minutes, a little agitation. Agitation. Pour it back in the bottle. Yeah. Now you could rinse with water, mm-hmm. open up your container. Warm water, cold water, what are we Warm talking? Warm water. Okay. Uh, open up the container. Yeah. The bucket. What happened to the hot water? What was exactly. that Exactly. The hot water was to heat the chemistry. Uh, but once your chemistry is heated, keep the bucket. The bucket. After the blicks. You yeah. fuck, guys listening out there, folks, yeah, girls and boys? Keep going blicks. You take the film out. Yeah. I keep it on the reels. Yeah. And I actually submerge it. I usually make a sound like... <sighs> Yeah, I'm sure you do. I do. <laughs> and I just and then I take the film off the spools, off the reels. Yeah. And then as I'm do, as I'm taking it off the the reels with my thumb, not on the emulsion side, on the shiny side, I just rub off the remjet. Oh. It's black. Right. Black. So as you're doing it, the water like all of your a sudden heart. <laughs> The water just turns completely black. Yeah. So now it's off. Hmm. And now I under the tap I also run it under the, under the water uh-huh. as I'm doing the same thumb action. And then I take it and put it in the last step, which is called stabilizer. When are you doing this again? I could come over and do those two rolls I have. You could show me. You could hold my oh, hand. Wh- why don't I do it and then you videotape it so folks at home could see it? Uh, yes, you can do my film. Yes. And then you and can I'll see it. I'll videotape it. Yeah. How you are you going to videotape it? Okay. So, folks, that's it. So that's, what, that's what's exciting about the, the C41 color negative kit. That sounds so simple. There's really no folks, reason not to be doing it. It is so simple. And I've received more than one email asking, can you put together a kit Kits. that includes the, 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 the real and thing, mm-hmm. the funnel? Like, what do you need? The, right. the funnel, the measurer. Everything you need. You don't have to go look in eight different places. Yeah. Because if you're just starting out, you really don't know. Yeah. Of course. And I understand the trepidation. Definitely. But, you know, it's so easy. And then once you do it, you're like, oh, my God. Why was I so scared? Then you could shoot any film, the Kodak Vision film, your Kodak Ektar. You could shoot Agfa. Whatever you want to shoot, you just shoot it. You get big coolions after that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You get a lot of confidence. And then if you own your own scanner... I mean, now you're you're basically a a powerhouse. Saving 10 bucks a roll. 
You're saving a ton of money because I do 35 rolls of film per kit. Not recommended. The motion picture? Anything in the, yeah. in the C41 kit. Dalzell does the same thing. Yeah. Mirage doesn't recommend it. Do you squeegee your film? I do it with my... I wear with gloves. your fingers? I wear uh, rubber gloves. A white glove? Oh. I do. And then I take a, one of those... Uh, Clips? Like, no, what are those cloths we use for, for vinyl records? Oh, the, uh, the thing. The magic fiber? Yeah, the micro microfiber. Microfiber. <laughs> you could take a magic fiber cloth and Microfiber your cloth? Really? And, and then I just hang it the film scratch to dry... It? No. Oh. Microfiber won't scratch it. Yeah? No. Oh. You folks getting all this? Sounds... Well, look... I'm I'm pretty overwhelmed by the whole process. I'm thought it's thinking clo- about it. It sounds very simple. It's the closest thing to instant photography in 35 millimeter that you could be. <laughs> you go out and shoot. Let, let's say yeah. you go out and shoot a family affair. Yeah. Mark does this. Yes. You go out and shoot. You come back. You process it. Scan it. 30 minutes. And so that night you have your stuff on Facebook. Right. It's really easy. You show your friends. Yeah, see, film photography is. Yeah. Quick, like and then of course, if you're you're shooting expired film, you're going to get little funky colors. It's going to look. It's a unique way to photograph people, places, and things because it's it's not going to look like digital. No, nope. We were looking back at some photos in my uh, photo library the other day. Ah. The in-laws were over, and all the film photos, you know, with the very shallow focus and yeah. Uh, Kodachrome, especially with the punchy colors and everything. You shot some of that. Practicum. Oh, yeah. uh, no, Kodachrome years ago. Oh, you did. This is from when the kids were young, okay. before they Dwayne stopped doing it. Okay. You know, and my in-laws even who know nothing about photography or imaging. They, just just not, like, they know what they see. Like, those look. Those look special. Really? She's like, that looks special. How did you do that? You know? Yeah. And in her mind, she's thinking, was there an app you did? Because I had some hipstamatic uh, yeah, stuff yeah, as well, yeah, but yeah, they're yeah. square. But you don't do those anymore. I, I, I still do. Yeah. Then you kind of get tired of it. If I'm going to shoot on my phone, I'll use the hipstamatic uh, instead of the regular. Because now there's a function on it where you can take off the effect and just oh, have a plain photo. Okay. Or you could add some of the other lenses or other films That's on it. handy. So that makes it a lot more yeah. uh, digital person friendly. Yep. So I can show my in-laws a picture without any effects, and then I can, you know, yeah. have the affected one just for my own self. That's good. You want to read another letter? Yeah. All right. This is from uh, Mike Sherman. Shaq Mahdi. Shaq Mahdi, yeah. Thanks very much. Hope to get caught up sometime soon, and good luck in the new location. Well, yeah, thank you, you. You have a new location, right? Do it's people looking look? a little cleaner, right? Oh, my God. Look- I really enjoyed your podcast over the years, and I haven't missed an episode. Looking forward to more fun in 2016. I like the camera segments you almost always have, and the new films, especially Shmina. Somehow, you and the gang keep coming up with new topics to cover, and it's always very interesting. The store is really off and running now, and I will shop there often to support the show. What show? (laughs) I'm probably heading to the Middle East. Wow. This guy goes all over the joint. Yeah. And we'll send treats next month. Yeah. Okay. Like what? Camel toes? <laughs> uh, what? What do Camel they even have out there? Uh, dried scorpions dipped in chocolate? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> thanks again for making the best podcast ever. Yeah. Mike hey, Sherman. thanks, Mike Our Sherman. good friend, Mike Sherman. Hey, you know, uh, I get scolded a lot via email. Yo, why? Because everyone here at the FVP are, are home-rolled Shmina film. Yeah. Actual pronunciation is Svema. Svema? Svema. Well, if we all call it Shmina. Why do you call it Shmina? I'm just saying Shmina. You can always call it Shmina. Me? Yeah. Because I heard you guys say it. I would have said Savima. Savima. Svema. Svema? 
Uh, we call it, sh- but we like calling it Shmina. Yeah. That's what I get the emails, and I'm just like, hey, we like calling it Shmina. Lighten up, Francis. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what else we got? So we oh, we got, we got, yeah, look at this. A nice color um, postcard. Oh, tell like, what's the green stamp say? This, this it guy? It says non standard size postage due. You had to put an extra 21 cents on it. <laughs> Did you have to pay 21 cents? Maybe. I don't know. Who oh. is that from? It's from uh, Chad Herbert. Oh, hey, Chad. It's from Chad. Okay. Sorry. Every time I see the word Chad, I want to thank everyone for sending us postcards. And it's beautiful. It's a photograph he took put on a, uh, what is that, 4 by 4 5 by 5 That's completely square. Yeah, it's, it's completely like square, yeah. non-standard. <laughs> yeah, post office didn't post, like it. No, guys were probably like, oh, shut down the machine! <laughs> shut it down! <laughs> this freaking guy. Maybe it could have stopped the whole assembly line. It may have. I don't know. I, doubt I mean, it think about it. Like, maybe there was like a, the assembly line, maybe there was, talk about a pack of dry ice, maybe there was like a kidney and dry ice that got delayed a day. Because so this guy. Yeah. Because Chad had to send a 5x5. Five five right. Someone's car. dead. Oh, my God. Uh, so it says, Mike, John, Matt, and FPP crew, I'm ashamed to admit that I've just started listening to the podcast. Don't be ashamed. No. After hearing of it last year, I recently got a podcast app for my iPhone called Overcast. It entertains me while I'm at work, in the car, and while I've been planning and building my darkroom at home. Way to go, Chad. I hope you enjoyed the picture I shot last year And uh, where is this? Bend, Oregon? Bend, Oregon. Bendy banana. Beautiful shot. And go, go, go with that dark room. Good for you. Oh, he's what? He's developing it himself? He's, he's planning. Did you, did you listen at all when I talk? No. <laughs> If, if I want this kind of treatment, I'll just go home and talk to my wife. Okay. <laughs> he's he's uh, building and planning his dark room. Ooh. So that's from Chad. Okay. Making friends and pissing off postal workers. Well, let's just stay on the postal. Yeah, we got another uh, postcard, which is regulation yes. size uh, from David. I think that's David G. Oops. David G. David G. Kenny G's big bro. It says, hey, Mike, Florida is a great place to spend the winter. I bet it is. Jealous? No snow anywhere. Shot some film, but we'll shoot. But we'll spend the summer shooting Rectochrome and other thirty-five. Hope <laughs> What's Rectochrome? Well. Retrochrome. Oh, sorry, Rec- Retrochrome. Retrochrome. Yeah, that's that's FPP Retrochrome. Retrochrome. Yes. Retrochrome. You shot it. Oh yeah, Retrochrome. Retrochrome. You, did you scan from the last batch or no? Retrochrome. No, it's in the queue. Oh. Now the one uh, one one roll I shot got effed. There's like three shots and then. Black and then clear. I don't know. What oh, what happened? happened? I don't know. Do you camera know camera? camera mount. It may have been the Minolta. Oh, my X seven hundred's dead. John has a Minolta X seven hundred uh, that you bought. What year? Eighty five. Eighty four. Eighty five. So you're taking it out of service. I'm taking it out. I'm putting it on the in the museum. You want a replacement body? Or are you nah, done with it? I don't think I'm done with it. I've been using it for how many oh. years? And how's it going with Jesus. the Canon EOS? Uh so far so okay. Okay. Yeah, it's easy. It's easy. You don't have to focus. It's fun. Yeah, I took a bunch of rolls at the zoo. Oh. So. You have a zoom, zoom lens? Out. On there, yeah, there's a slight zoom. Oh. Not, not a dramatic. You think it would have been better having like a 300 millimeter like for the zoo? No. No? No, there's a lot of, uh, it's better to have a wider lens because oh. they have like reptiles and stuff okay. that the kids really enjoy. Yeah, yeah. So to get close up of the eyes and what have you. Yes. So, which is what I like. Yeah. Another letter? Yeah, oh yeah, let's read those letters. Okay, here's... Let's here's, barrel through them. Here's one from our good friend, Boss Nass. Oh, yes. Nasir Hamad. Yes. Our, our Oxford, England, yes. right? Our Oxford, yes. Oxford, England friend. It says, Yo, Mike, 
After listening to all the chatter about macro photography on the latest FPP, I thought I'd, I thought you'd dig this short film about some insane macro photography. Have you seen this? Not yet. It's at uh, microsculpture.net, and I think we should all check it out and report back. I think it's a great idea. I think we'll do that. The exhibition is coming to Oxford later this year, and I'm excited to see it. Please share it with the rest of the gang if you think it's appropriate. Oh, what's, what's the URL? I know it's not film-related. Oh, it's, it's about macro. Macro. Micro sculpture. Yes, it's about macro photography, but the website is microsculpture.net. Okay. With the www in front of it. <laughs> the big W. buried under a big W. Uh, you know uh, that film, It's a Mad, 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 Mad World? Yeah. Apparently the Blu-ray that came out has a, a roadshow version, which is they put extra scenes in from, from the rough cut. They reconstituted scenes that were not in the original release. What do you mean they reconstituted? Like they found like work prints. Oh, I see. Yeah. So there's more Three Stooges? I don't know. I don't think so. Uh, they're only one shot. They have one shot where yeah. they're just standing there looking like old dopes <laughs> holding fire equipment. Yeah. They could have gave them a little bit more stuff oh, to do. Yeah. Phil Silvers is hilarious. And where movie. are the Ritz brothers? I don't know. They never made Well, maybe they're in the extras. You know who the Ritz brothers are? Oh, yeah. They're, they're in the low-rent Marx brothers. Yes. They are in uh, Blazing Stewardesses. Oh. The two surviving Ritz brothers. All right. 1975. Yeah, they were like the same time. They were like vaudevillians who went into film and didn't find much success. Yeah. I mean, they made a couple of pitches, I'm sure. What else you got? You want to talk about the Hawkeye Flash? Yeah, what does it say? Who's this from? David Hoffman. Oh, didn't you just read something from David Hoffman? Did I? No. Mike Sherman. Okay. Rosemary Hawkins. Okay, David Hoffman. Hi, David. Hi, David. All right, David Hoffman. Says, hi there. Thanks for all that you do. I found you guys after a friend gave me a Kodak Brownie Hawkeye Flash and started a minor restoration on it, CLA. I purchased one of the new FPP 620 spools and a roll of pre-rolled Ilford FP4. Then I found your podcast and began at episode one. Right now I'm on 12. (laughs) Got a long (laughs) way to go, buddy. Yeah. I look forward to catching up. Now back to the Hawkeye Flash. I'm missing the red plastic window on the back of the camera. I purchased some ruby lift. What is that? Some red thing. I I guess. Good (laughs) guess. To make a temporary window. But I'm wondering if you know of a source that might have an original red film window for the camera. He says, yes, I can find a junker on eBay, but rather than destroy an old camera, I would prefer to find somebody who just has a box of parts. Might you know of a resource? Oh, Mark Dalzell. Oh, really? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I recommended via email to uh, David that he find a junker on eBay, like one yeah. that just doesn't work, like something for a dollar or two dollars, five dollars. Something somebody's selling for, like you know, prop or something. Uh, yeah, or sh- busted shutter. Busted. It's it's busted, David. <laughs> <laughs> you busted it. Yeah, you just need. Or I told him you could just take electrical tape. You get like a red piece of, uh, like a red filter, mm-hmm. and you tape a red filter on it. Like a gel or a filter? A gel. And then you have electrical tape, and then in the, when you're done with your shot, in the oh, sh- in shade, yeah, you just lift not? it up yeah, why not? forward, and then, yeah. yeah. That's a pretty That's good. a cheap, easy way. You don't yeah. have to go scrounging around. That's what we're all about here. Yeah. You don't want to kill another nice camera just for Because then you find a camera, then you have to dig out that, you, you know, the, the red, you have to dig it out. It's like, ugh. Oh. And glue is involved. Glue. Nah. And now the compulsory and now the compulsory part of the email. I started with B and W photography when I was twelve. It's black and white, folks. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh. What were you doing when you were twelve? Do you have a camera? I, I had a uh, one twenty six Instamatic. Nice. 
He said he did this uh, in the summer camp dark room. That was a good camp. And my dad uh, had a room. my dad had a Polaroid one step, the white rainbow. Anyways, I worked <laughs> for a semi pro for several years in my late teens. These days, I shoot both film and digital. Digital for work and convenience. Film for art and contemplation. Thanks to you and your team for helping to breathe new life into an old art. <gasps> oh, <laughs> this next well, letter. Thank you. Thank oh, you. who's this from? David. Oh, look. What's that? Oh, it's handwritten. I haven't, I, I haven't oh, perused that one yet. Best regards, Bill Donovan, pronounced Bill Donovan. Uh, he sent a package in. And, uh, What's he saying? See, that's handwritten and folded because that was in a box. Yeah. I want to oh. thank everyone that sent in. First of all, you can write to us at podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. <laughs> and you could send us stuff, P.O. Box 264, Fairlawn, New Jersey, 07410. Hmm. Many folks send us Many. donations oh my God. for our school donation program. So many. And to give away. And I'm very excited. It's the summer, so myself, hopefully John, and hopefully... Uh, Mac. My, Mac. Mac Dazel. Mac Dazel. Dark Malzell. We'll come in, and we have to go through all the boxes. It's a lot. Folks, you send donations pallets in, and, and I get an email. Hey, did you get... What happens is it comes in, it goes on a pallet, you know, a wooden pallet. They get stacked, put in a corner, and then when Mac... <laughs> Mac Dazel. When Mac Dazel comes in, and John, like yeah. you know, once a month or twice a month, then we open the boxes and we sort them, and then Ooh. figure out what's what. Like, oh, okay, here's a Minolta, here's a P- Pentax, here's a Point and Shoot. Hmm. Then it gets sorted, and then in August we're going to start sending cameras back out to schools. Yes, yes. I got an email from a gent. I don't have the email in front of me, requesting thirty cameras for his class. Yes, and he Point said, and shoot, sir. Now, uh, 35 millimeter SLR. Wow. Nice. He's like, I don't know where to buy them. And he also said, I don't have the money. Yeah, he said, We don't have a budget. We Mike, don't have a budget. I don't have the money, Mike. What happens with high schools and colleges? The but, um, and I'm not making a judgment. <laughs> the monies go to athletics. Yeah, arts, arts are poorly funded everywhere. The, the athletics are king. Yep, it's big bucks. It pulls yeah. in a lot of money. Yeah. So a lot of times, I, I could just imagine like the professor asking. Probably the person in charge of the budgets winds mm. up being like, "Oh, yeah, it's the coach." Yeah. So it's like, "Can I have a budget for like thirty cameras?" And coach is like, "Ah!" <laughs> They throw the dodgeball at him. We need water bottles. <laughs> you can't have your cameras. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. See, still pushing us geeks around. Yeah. Anyhow, so so you're gonna read Bill oh. Donovan's letter. Bill Donovan says. I'm oh, by rec- the way, yeah. You don't watch that show, Ray no, Donovan. I don't watch. Ray you don't Donovan. watch Ray Donovan. I don't. Why not? I don't know. I just never watched it. Season- never. It sounded. It didn't sound appealing to me. They ended the last season perfectly. Guy who beats people up. They ended the last season perfectly. Where he's in the car. He's like all. Battered up, bleeding. Like, he's so bloody and shot up. And then the car, it lifts off and it drifts into, like, the light. Yeah. And I was just so satisfied. I was like, oh, my God. He's dead. He's dead. They ended it beautifully. But no. No, He's back. As John Belushi would say. But But no. It's a new season coming. coming. Anyway, what does Bill Donovan say? I don't know. Bill says, I'm a recent podcast listener and enjoy them very much. Enclosed, you will find an Ansco Cadet 2 127, four rolls of 800 ISO Fuji Superior, and a Bell & Howell P&S 35mm camera. Perfect. The Ansco was in an old box I bought at an auction. I know nothing about it. Bell & Howell came as a free gift with an online purchase. <laughs> really? The film I found in a box stored in an old tobacco bin. 
Huh. It had been in there for years, ranging from 100 to minus 18. Ooh, mm-hmm. that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. We'll probably fog really bad, uh, but it will make an image. That's good. I've been looking for a take-up reel for a Sears Dual 8 projector, which will run both 8 and Super 8 film. If you could point me towards the source, I'd be thankful. Keep up the great work. Best yes. regards. Bill Donovan. Bill, the man's name is Larry Urbanski. He's the man? He's the man. It's called Urbanski Film. Yeah. So if you go online and type in Urbanski f- uh, Film or Urbanski Super 8 Supplies, you'll come up with his website. That's what he does, all Super 8s? No, no. 8 uh, and Super 8. Super 8. Super 8. 16 mil, 35 mil. You could wow. buy reels, mm. splicer, splicing tape, cans. He's the man with the can. He's the man. Cans. Yes, he is. He's the man with the cans. And the reels. That's it. I got more. You want to read more? Oh, oh, do you really? Yeah, I got let's, like four more. Let's barrel through them. Okay. Here's a real quick one. Yes. Uh, this is from Victor. Yes, okay. Hello, Victor. Okay. Just wanted to say thanks for you. Just wanted to say thanks for your continued store content. I bought some 100 Vision 3 500T stock from you guys this December, and I'm coming to the end of it. Uh-oh. Yes! Yes! Oh, he's from Sweden. The delivery to here in Sweden was very manageable, and I love the bulk way, bulk roll way of using film. Yeah, the way that suits me best. He buys a hundred foot roll. Nice. He loads it himself into his cartridges. A oh, hundred feet. All right, a hundred foot roll of vision. Yes. Three. Okay. I will buy more motion picture stock from you in the future, and if you continue to stock the bulk rolls that you do, I'll be a very happy camper. Yes. Thank you, Michael. I'm very excited about that. Best kisses and wishes from Sweden. Okay. Way to go, Victor. All right. Thank you, Victor. Who knew? Do you have like a lot of uh, yes. people that buy yes. bulk? Wow. We awesome. have a lot of customers in Sweden and Norway. Really? And apparently the deliveries... They all buy bulk? No, they all buy different stuff. Huh. Apparently it's very lickety split shipping. Good. Okay. Uh, this is from Pete. Hey, Pete. Uh, his Flickr name is Pete D three hundred one. Okay. Says just thought you might be interested in the Camera Heritage Museum in Staunton. Oh, Stanton. I've never been myself, but a friend of mine said it was real cool. Looks like a serious case of gas gun legit. So where is this? What's the website? No, nothing. Well, if you Google, what's the name? No, of the, what's the name of the joint? Camera Heritage Museum in Stanton. The Google. But okay. it's spelled S T A U N T O N. Use the Google, folks. Google. So thank you, Pete. Okay, and one last letter. I got oh, two, two more. I got two more. <sighs> Daryl Ted Butt. Okay. As in your butt. That's what it says? Yeah. It, it says, says as in your backside. Okay. It says, Ted as in Ted, and butt as in air, uh, your backside. Just wanted to say hi. Love the show. What show? Been listening for a few years now. So love what you're doing. I've been catching up with the last few episodes and heard you mention the Afghan box camera episode 142 yes yes and thought i'd share ours with you i'm a founding member of like like leicester what is that like a chester leicester says like a chester i'm a member of the leicester leicester lo-fi l-e-i-c-e-s-t-e-r leicester all right take it easy i'm just asking uh and it's www.like leicesterlofi.co.uk they're an analog group in the uk we have a community darkroom wow open twice a week and we run workshops throughout the year on some great analog processes he has a gallery page up there that he wants you to check out well one of the things we do have is an afghan box camera or a camera e fiori i built it a few years ago and it's been all over the uk with us producing portraits at events and festivals we mostly use 
Harman Direct positive paper. Yes. But we had to use Imago paper for a while until Harman started to remake theirs last year. There's a gallery of images here at Leicester, lofi.co.uk.camari, e, fiori. Oh, these are tough words, Mike. Mm. Camera e fiori is K-A-M-R-A-E-F-A-O-R-E-E. Anyway, thought I'd just drop you a line. Keep up the awesome work, and I'll look into getting you some UK chocolate. Yeah! Mm. <laughs> Any requests? Uh, P.O. Box 264. Yeah, but he wants requests. Um, like what kind of UK chocolate? Oh, we want... Um, Coffee crisp? Yeah. We want um, anything that's, uh, you know, crunchy. Yeah. Like a wafer underneath? Yeah, wafer thin, something wafer thin. (laughs) Something unusual. Something that you would maybe dare your friends to eat that you might not eat yourself. Well, thank you, Daryl. I'm so sorry for butchering everything. P.O. Box 264, Fairlawn, New Jersey, 07410. All right, last last one. Yes. This is from Max Lambden. Okay, hey, Max. It's just been over a year since the last time I emailed you with a question about slide film, and a lot has changed since then. I believe at the time I was shooting a Canon A1 with a standard 50mm lens, blah, 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 which was a beast of a camera. Nowadays, I'm shooting on the Nikon 4F 500mm 1.8 lens. Nice. He says, I got teased at work because I can't use A mode or M mode, but I don't mind. You shouldn't. Don't let those guys push you okay. around, Max. And the Bronica ETRSI for okay. medium format. Both cameras are absolute tanks, and I love them the bits. Yeah, that Bronica is a heavy one. Oh yeah. What's more, I also started working in my local camera shop on Saturdays. Oh, that's nice. awesome. Canterbury Camera Center at uh, in the UK. Oh. Which is the best job I could have wished for. Yeah, I bet there's a lot of perks with mm-hmm. that job. I am also the film guy, even though I am the youngest at only 18 years old and often help catalog, clean, and price most of the secondhand film gear, which is incredible fun. Yeah. Excellent. Go through that stuff. Having every camera imaginable from a Leica SL up to an R8 as well as M2s and M4s. Nice. And Nikon Fs right up to the big guns. The F5. Yeah. We also have a lot of Mamiya 645 gear. Yeah, really? You have an online shop? Nice. I want to get a new lens for mine, but it's not a popular seller, he says. Huh. Oh. However, if anyone is ever in Canterbury, look up the shop and pop in on a Saturday and say hi. I must say, working this is great, but also a nightmare as I want to buy everything. See, that's, that would be my temptation of working in a shop like that. Thanks again. Great podcast and apologies for the boredom caused. Oh, stop it. Max Lambden checking in from Canterbury, UK. That's it. That's all I got. Well, thank you, John. I have a parting gift for you. Yeah? He's a f- what do you got? This is, uh, I videotaped this on Super VHS for John oh. back in May 28th, uh, 1992. Oh, my God. It's Jack Fideli. That's John's dad. Jack Fideli Retirement and Birthday Bash at George's Restaurant. Wow. Look at that. <laughs> wow, you and my family will be very happy to watch that. So basically what happened, folks, is I videotaped it. I edited it. I gave John VHS tapes. Yeah. And now everyone's VHS tapes have been thrown away. Which is long bit the dust. Gone, right? Gone. I mean, no one has their player. No. My dad's moving. <laughs> yeah. And he wants to bring his VHS tapes with him. He should. No, he should not. He has a small room, like this big. This is his new living space. Oh. He's got like 150 VHS tapes. He enjoys tapes. Watch, listening. No, watch. he doesn't watch them. Oh. He, Someday I'm going to watch them. Guy's 83. <laughs> you know who's going to watch them? Me, after he dies. Oh. It's ridiculous. Is anything pre recorded? Or they're all stuff he taped off the TV? Uh, some stuff he taped off the TV. 
Does he have, but, like, Godfather, pre-record? Yeah, all that stuff. Yeah, on oh. SLP mode. Oh, dear. It's ridiculous stuff. So. We're going to we'll take a quick break. John's going to d- depart. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> and we're going to be back with the whole f- the full gang. All right. We'll be back with the full American. Yes. Uh, He'd be like, Oi, where's the full American? Older me. <laughs> That will be Phil Collins. Oh, right. right. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to take a break because otherwise we're going to go off on a rampage about it. Well, wait. Here's uh, a thought. Maybe it's a foreign person who owns the store and he's just saying, hey, Americans, come in. You'll get full for breakfast. Paul McCartney is playing a festival here. It's called Desert Fest or something oh, ridiculous. Every, fe- all of the old codgers are playing that. But the great thing the about who, it is Paul, Roger Waters, everybody. Paul McCartney and Pete Townsend will be there and, and – Paul's going to be like walking, you know, backstage, walking down the hall. Pete's going to be Pete. running the other way. Hey, Pete. Like, oh, I'm sorry. I've got to do the thing over here. There's a great video on YouTube. Hopefully I can find it and put it on the show notes. What a show great notes? video of Paul McCartney. Boring. Boring the tears out of Pete Townsend. Pete Townsend, I guess he's trying to be polite. And he's just sitting there like, mm-hmm. Oh, Christ. It's like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. And Paul, he is a king. Sir Paul, I'm sorry. Sir Paul is the king rambler. Yeah. Going back, if you watch Let It Be, which mm-hmm. is hard to find. I got a not, copy. You have a copy? On VHS, I got there a There are lots of scenes of Paul rambling on, and the yeah. other Beatles are trying their best. To just deal with it. To deal with it. George is just like, Paul, I don't care. I'll play whatever you want. Shut up. We'll be right back. Yeah, he's talking about that Freedom song. Yeah, in the video. Like, oh, it's going to be great. Freedom song, then the flags are going to come up, and then the second chorus is about it. And Peter's like, mm-hmm. uh-huh. <laughs> and then, you know, we're all going to sing freedom, you know, right, like freedom. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Hey, we'll okay. get right back. All right, bye. Mike, uh, that's the VCR you gave me. I, I just can't to program it. Uh, if you would, call me. I'll give you the model number. You look at the internet, and uh, they could uh, they could uh, give you the information. I've done it before with the my chiropractor gave me the VCR and the fax. He faxed me all the information. So give me a call, and I'll give you the number. End of message. Hey, FPP listeners. Some really, really great news. The FPP online store, filmphotographystore.com. We now stock darkroom supplies. So if you're already in the darkroom or if you've been thinking about it, now's the time to go to the FPP site. We are now stocking tanks and reels, Kodak D76 black and white developer, Kodak fixer, and the home C41 kit. That's right. You can do your very own color negative development right in your home. It's so easy. Folks that have been listening and kind of following along as all of us here at the FPP have started doing our own color, everyone has been so pleasantly surprised of how easy it really is. So jump on over to the filmphotographyproject.com, click the store tab, and check out our darkroom supplies as well as all of our hand-rolled 35mm film, Kodak Laris film, Fuji film, 110 film and of course our huge selection of 620 film awesome thanks very much let's get back to some show
Hey, everybody. What a great day this is. So happy you joined us. Today on the show will be uh, Mr. Mark O'Brien. Hey. <laughs> Mark Dalzell. Hey. Leslie Eisenby. Hey. And later on, Matt Marash is going to be dropping by, and he's going to be talking about how to talk up your own work. You know, you're a photographer. You're shooting stuff. How, how do you promote your own? How do you promote yourself? It's an interesting, awesome topic. We're going to get right into it with a, a quick letter. Maybe letters. The title of this letter is Retrochrome. He says, "Good," and it's from our good friend Tattoo Dave, Dave Cox. Good morning. Just a quick note to thank you all for your help. I just scanned some of my Retrochrome 320 that I bought last summer, and I think I really like it. <laughs> Do you? Don't you? Uh, yeah. I wasn't sure at first, but the rolls I shot in L.A. last summer came out really nice. We are going down to the Tampa area in our motor home for three months starting tomorrow, so I ordered another nine-pack of the Retrochrome, so I will be ready. I also ordered the one-liter C41 kit for the other films I'll be shooting. I just listened to, to part of your December 31st, 2015 podcast and heard about the Trip 35 and the Rebel TI, both of which I have with me right now. I really do like the TI. I, ha- I have one I'm shooting with one today, as a matter of fact, here on the show. That's me talking, Mike. I, re- <laughs> I really do like the TI, and I love the fast focusing. I've been shooting with my N90S. That's Nikon. Mm-hmm. Good camera. Yep. But focusing doesn't work much anymore. And at 46, my eyes don't seem to be doing a good job either. The TI does a fantastic job. I even ordered another one for a few bucks on eBay, so I'll have one with color film and one with slide film. He goes on to say... Florida, all the sunshine, no gray skies. It'll be perfect. Thanks for everything, <laughs> Tattoo Dave. Thanks, Dave. Good to hear from you. Uh, and we'll get into this letter from Amro Gabriel. Amro Gabriel, uh, which will lead into a sort of a topic. Mm-hmm. Amro says once again, thank you and your contributions for a wonderful podcast. I just want to mention. That there is a lab in the UK that will process Remjet afflicted film. <laughs> it's an affliction now. By the way, folks listening, the Remjet afflicted film is the Kodak Vision 3 35mm film that we, the Film Photography Project, sell in our online store. It's a motion picture film that is used for Hollywood movies, and it works beautifully in still cameras. You can't process a C41 because of uh, carbon-based uh, coating that is put on the film. You could home process it yourself using our C41 kit, but you can't send it to a regular lab. However, here in the U.S., you could send it to the Little Film Lab or the Camera Shop in Minnesota. But now we have a tip from Amro of a place in the U.K. called Nick and Trick Photo Services. Nick and Trick. In Folkestone, Kent. They have a shop selling film and cameras and offer mail order processing and scanning. For non-Remjet film, there's also quite a few options as well. People seem to forget that Boots, Britain's largest chain of chemists, still offer a one-hour developing and print services in most larger stores. They also sell film, including Black and White 120, and often have special offers on purchases. The ever-excellent Max Spielman, part of the large Timpson chain of cobblers, also offer develop and scan to CD in an hour. I use the mail order lab called Peak Imaging in Sheffield, Yorkshire, 
who offer great expertise and can handle color infrared developing with no problems at all, which is wonderful. FPP, as everyone knows, or if you don't know, we sell color infrared 35-millimeter film. So if you're in the U.K. now, you know where you can process it. There's been a lot of problems, FPP uh, listeners who are shooting color infrared and just sending it to their local lab who light leaks the heck out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, in the lab process, there might be little diodes that leak light onto the color infrared and ruin the film. There are quite a few others. The state of film developing on this small island is still quite healthy. I hope this helps if you ever get queries from British listeners, yours, AMRO, and... Uh, Leslie, did you have something AMRO-related? I do. Um, my little segment is True Daylight Film Developing Tanks. And I really think somebody needs to make these today. I was My downfall, of course, is rent, reading those darn vintage photo magazines. And somebody had in there a film tank, which was this one, that develops your film in the cassette, in the metal cassette, in daylight. The bottom of it is clear. It's called a PixMate. I had used a daylight film tank years ago, and i got to find out what this is. This is what the search came up, this little PixMate. And it really looks like a pepper mill. You yeah. sit on the desk, you know, put it in here. And the cap joins up with the uh, spool mm-hmm. and literally spins your film around inside the cassette, and it takes an ounce and a half of chemistry. What? Yeah, it yeah. The film in the cassette. In the ca- in the metal cassette, no darkroom required. Does the film get stuck? Together. Yeah. That's oh well, now we have a situation here. Okay. Yes, it's true. There is no daylight required. Uh, I had talked about you know the Eastman Kodak, which was just a piece of crap. Never did get it loaded right. This is the little Brooks, so I ordered one. And it came in the original box with the instruction manual. And there were quite a few of them like that on eBay, which means people maybe used them once and that was it. The, the secret to this little thing is a very short roll of film, and you must use a mono bath. How about because, that? Because once it's in here, and this is completely screwed on and making contact with your film, it you just go, it stops the whole time it's developed. And it only has a little hole in the top. Does, there, does that attach to a motor? No, it attaches to a human. <laughs> You're kidding. No. Nope. That's it. This is it. Everything What's this you, thing? This is different. Okay. This is Amaral's. This is, this is what kind of got me started. You have to, it's a very tricky folding procedure. When it goes in, it makes a contact in here, and it goes in, and then, and I don't want to horse my film up here, but... I did two or three rolls in this because I was actually experimenting with my monobath recipe. So this was pretty slick to do it. It's really great on a 10 or 12 exposure roll. And, of course, at the time, 24s. Will it work on a 24? uh, I wouldn't even try it. I didn't have 100% success even on those short ones. But it was a a novelty little thing. I had some surge marks. I had some places where film were stuck together. Even I pre-wet it. Okay, right. And what what but, prompted this? Am, Amro prompted no, this? Um, no, I read an old ma- photo magazine and saw an ad. Oh, okay. I, oh, I wonder if that works. So I found one. I thought this was based then on I, a letter we received. It, it will in here in a minute. So I, I, it easy, Mike. That's yeah, right. <laughs> I posted. Um, you got to think about this. Back in the sixties. Yes. 
I'm going to go out. I'm going to be, uh, what's his name that shoots newspaper photography? Ouija? No, local. <laughs> local. Bill Bressler? Bill B- Bressler. Go out, and I, I got my assignment. On the way back in the car, I can have my film developed because it's that quick. Your editor would love you. By, no, it's, it's done. So there's the little one. But it's pretty much piece of crap. Pretty much. Then Lights and Agva came on the scene with the Rondonex. And I had posted my results on Flickr from this little PixMate. Amrog contacted me and he said, Would you like one of the Agva machines? Huh? Uh-huh. Absolutely. Which would you like? The 35 or the 120? Whoa. I... I could not be that greedy and say the 120. You, you could. No, I couldn't because this was not to borrow. He said I could keep this. Mm, coming from oh, the UK. UK. Yeah. I'll, I'll give you guys a, a little um, demo here. These are true daylight tanks, true daylight tanks. The only thing that you may have a problem with is you have to snip the tail off, and if you've wound it completely in, you need to get it out. The whole system works with, on the 35 millimeter, works with seven ounces of chemistry. The reel is what looks like built in. You can disassemble it later on. And it is a spiral reel. It has a nifty little strap. Let me get that out. You, you, need, no da- you need no darkness for this. You don't even need a pair of scissors. If you've got this oh. trimmed or cut off. Uh-huh. It's a girder clip. It does look like that, doesn't it? There's a little ramp. Ramp. A ramp. Uh, I do these like I do my regular film, and I do nick the corners. What do you think about this, Mark Delano? Oh, wait, just wait, just this wait. Like this is something Dane would get into. Oh, yeah. oh. Dane would develop his own film if he had one of these. He would. And then on it's goes like, oh, the man, lid. That's all I got to do. That's it. I know I've sat here and done it in front no. of you. Are you using a mono bath for this? Or you could use no, anything? this is regular. Okay. Oh. So at this regular. point. I'm advancing the wheel on the side. It is advancing the film onto the reel. Well, that's cool. It is. And it's a regular reel. It's keeping the film kind of separate. Absolutely. On the edge or on the very end is a cutter bar. It's now cut the film from the cassette because I want to continue it on around there. Why aren't these more popular? Why aren't these made? Oh, they're popular. Oh, they are? Yeah, they're expensive. I've never seen one before. It has a temperature guide built in. Seven ounces. So in goes water wash. This is it. This is what you do. You sit here on the side and you, because you're only having a chemistry that goes oh, to right. here. It's like oh, a Ferris okay. wheel. Okay, so you're just so there it is. Moving Psh, it. Pour it out. And I have found, because I usually use a pretty gentle little spin here, I don't have to modify my time. Everything I've souped in here has been great. Wow. So it's auto-threaded it on in the daylight. There's none of that fear for the first-timers with their hands in the bag. Okay, so out goes the water. In goes the developer. Keep timing. Perfect for diafine. Water wash, fixer, you're done. All right, so off we go. Little ramp comes out. My cassette's separated, and you take the whole thing apart. What, these are expensive? They're really expensive. How real expensive? Oh, when do you see the here's, 120s? Here's, here's one that sold for $370. Oh, my gosh. And well, they, out it comes. Seem to average about well, look at that. And, you, and now here's the slick, slick, slickest part in the whole world. Once this film's off of here, and this reel can be soaking wet, it can be damp, it doesn't matter, it'll take another roll of film immediately. You don't have to dry it. And I gave it the ultimate, and I mean the ultimate test, Shvima 200, mm, the ultra, really thin, the ultra, ultra thin, thin, and I loaded the first one dry. Great, this is so much fun. All right, here we go. It took it like a champ. 
Now, the only thing I'm not fond of, this is a silly thing, it's a modern thing, it trims it really close to the cassette. It can't reuse. Not oh, easily. Well. But, you know. Got to be some sacrifices. I guess so. So, uh, the, and we have a little, you know, we've got, we know our temperature constantly. Well, look at that. All the right. instruction manual, I have no idea why someone has not talked about this. There's a cover on the 35 millimeter of a gentleman sitting outside, obviously, at, in his vacation, because we've got, we've got bathing suits <laughs> hanging on the line. Uh, he's oh got God. his pipe going, and he's got his wife uh-huh. in a, in a one-piece bathing suit and the three kids there, and they're processing film on the spot. No darkroom needed. Does he have a pipe in his mouth? He does. He has a pipe in his mouth. Then when we get up to the 120. Looks like he's humming a jaunty tune. We have now upgraded to 120 film, a new wife and a two-piece. Wow. Two kids that Same might guy, be. guy, new wife. Yeah. Now we've got a daughter, a son, that I don't know, neighbor kid. Maybe it's the same came, guy? It's the same guy. And this kid is drinking out of a blob top. If you know your beer bottles or old beer, they had ceramic tops in there and the wires that held them down. So he's either drinking beer or chemistry. The little kid. Or root beer. I don't know. That's not a country club. That's a nudist (laughs) kid. Yeah. (laughs) Maybe maybe it should be up here. Even better is the instruction manual again. And they're telling you, you no longer have to have darkness. Oh. <laughs> to process your film, so there's no no more under no more undercovers. Wait, you, there's one better. Better than that. This is drying the film. You can do it on the reel or off the reel. These are beautiful. Aren't these just I would, amazing? I would frame these and put them on the wall. <laughs> can you hold that up, Mark. You, you haven't. Wait till you wait, get to this more. last no, one. Wait, 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 it's just like nobody. Oh, there's and here, of course, more. we have our temperature built in. Oh God. And last but not least. No, who drew these? This is out of the instruction manual. Are you sure? I'm positive. I downloaded it, cropped them, and printed it myself. Can I make t-shirts out of them? Uh, I suppose you could. <laughs> this is the best. Uh, What's happening here? Oh, we I, have a very... I told f- you it was a nudist. Getting we have a... V- developed. Yes. <laughs> oh, <laughs> nice. uh-huh. Not developed and developed. Okay. Uh-huh. That's hilarious. A stick figure. Well, not, not entirely stick. Not entirely stick. <laughs> <laughs> Did you photocopy these? Uh, I printed them out at home. The manual is downloadable um, from another site when I started doing this research. But when you think about it, it's seven ounces of chemistry. You never have They're to touch the film. You just lay it in here. It takes it in. There's no ratcheting, making sure the you know, it's tension. There's no cupping it just right for a stainless steel reel there is the thermometers built in that's why he could take it out on the deck there and do it this is like the aren't ideal they, travel thing aren't they brilliant yeah i i thought i'm going to give it the really consumer test and i used cups to pour my chemistry in and just sit there in the living room with my wooden tv ta- table with the uh, TV going on the cat running around the whole bit perfection and the fact that you can load a plastic reel wet if you take the side out film garter that's why yeah yeah it pulls it in yeah so and then i never thought i even love that it's got the thermometer built in i thought of everything the the 120 version is rare costly this is not a lights this is a knockoff it's called a ppp works exactly the same different product but now wait a minute we're going to daylight load 120. 120 with backing paper? Yeah, how do you do that? Oh, this is... It separates it. 
It is brilliant. Let me get the little, it's the same principle. There's a clip here and I'm thinking I got to push this film down in here or something. No, there's none of this here. We're at the end of this roll of film. So I've broken the exposed tab. Is it bum roll? Yeah. Yeah. This sets out. Okay. Look at that. This goes like this and the lid. I'm thinking there's just like, no, there's just like no way. There's a little chamber in there with a sliding door. It's kind of like the door on a bulk film loader. loader. Uh-huh. So once I get it just right, it'll hold the lid on, leaves the paper out. Oh. I'm going to pull the paper. It's threading the film now no way. into that little chamber. <laughs> this one's really going brilliantly smooth. And the magic will happen soon. One, I got a little, just a little bit of a so at the end, you're gonna with 120. You're going to encounter a piece of tape. You are. Oh my God! What happened? It's it's in there. The little the little trap is shut. So here we are at the end. You, I typically just peel it off. We're getting we're getting that end. We're seeing the end. The film is already sealed in the tank. The film is sealed except for this very end right here. Oh, look at that! Now I have just folded the tape over. You can cut it off. Yep, yep. But yep. I don't have any scissors with me because I'm traveling. Another little alligator clippy thingy here, and it clips on like the 35, and typically, it's kind of hard to do that Is this tape. designed for traveling photographers, uh, nature photographers, war photographers? I'm not exactly sure. They were introduced uh, late 50s, early 60s mm-hmm. type of thing, or a little earlier. I would typically, I would clip those ends off before I started this, but I don't have my scissors with me, so that's okay. So now this goes on. Now it's going to put it on a reel. Now, now it's going to put it on the reel, if we're lucky. I'm really impressed. I can tell you're impressed, too. You're really. These are so damn much fun, I can't stand them. And these are both sent? No, I bought this one, but I I snuck it because they mis they didn't misrepresent it. They um the common ones are lights. This is a PPP, and he actually even called this one I think a Yankee. There's no Yankee? the Yankee's name isn't even on here. Damn so there again, it's the same thing. Chemistry goes in, goes out, in and out, and the whole time. Th- that's your agitation. This is your agitation. Oh man, this one takes five ounces, wow. even less. Wow. Isn't it? It's brilliant. There is a gentleman. Um, I have his website. And he's also from the UK. I think I have his. How website. did you know how to use these? I used one of those years ago. I found one in the dark room at work. This thirty-five. Took it home, tried it, and I went back into work. And the the big head, the head guy for the whole processing system says those leak. They're worthless. I said this looks pretty good. Show Here me. it is. It's Rondinex. R O N D I N. AX.wordpress.com. This is run by a gentleman by the name of Malcolm Peeker. He has um, a few uh, video uh, YouTubes on how to load these. He is also from the UK. And I spoke with him a little bit about these. And his website is marvelous as far as the history, the use. Obviously, the flaw in the system is that little band with the clip on it. And they tell you all types of materials that you can use if that band is missing. I, I think it would be wonderfully brilliant if these were manufactured today. It'd probably be pretty darn expensive, but but right now the thirty fives are going for an average of seventy five dollars. And the one twenties anywhere from seventy five to two hundred and fifty dollars. Wow. We're gonna so, have to get ours before this show airs. Oh heck yeah. <laughs> but, but these are I mean, they they have been flawless for me. Wonderful sight. So you know, you get done here and you open this up. You bought that on the bay. I bought one on the bay, and then one was the gift. But did it, um, was it comprehensive? Did the seller say, you know, all parts included? Mm, like, how did you know that it worked? Uh, it came in the box. I was hoping, 
And I jumped on it because he had 50 buy it now, free shipping. Oh, so, wow. you know, buy now, read later. 50 bucks? 50 bucks. Yeah. 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 And I'm hoping, you know. So you're so actually using these now. I am. Okay, with the drawback, I can't. Do more than one? I can't do more than one. Well, 120, you would not, wouldn't normally do more than one anyway. I sure do. I have, I oh. have a big Patterson tank okay. that will actually do like four or six 120s. Uh, of course, if you had two 120s, what's that trick? The t- oh, Back to back, <laughs> back to back, yeah. Or just keep spinning it in because they'll hold a two twenty. Yeah. So roll one all the way in and then start another one. But there it so is. these are daylight tanks. True, true that daylight. Are, uh, automated by uh, your, your own power. Yes. You know, you're, you're we can handle in a, a zombie apocalypse. You can still process your film. Where did the cartoon come from? That was the thirty five. That came from the the uh, Agva Rondinex manual. Wow. And then I got. I also downloaded the 120 just to get the cover of the guy and his new family. <laughs> They're just awesome to use. So I, I wanted to thank um, Malcolm for taking the time to answering my questions about these when I had them. And for Ambril for feeding the film fire. This was so cool. Wow. Yep. Wow. Well, thank you Aren't, very are they much, neat? Leslie. So you think maybe we could get some of these uh, mold injected and ready to go? Uh, probably not. No, but but, <laughs> but I but I think of this. You know these. Oh, now you're talking. Three yeah. D printed. I, a whole bunch of these lined up, and a whole bunch of kids, and that instant success. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets their little cups of chemistry. Well, just the idea, if you were, you know, they talk. We always have this fantasy of going on a long trip somewhere and then developing your film as you go, which we know mostly doesn't happen. Right. Um, but something like this, you say, oh, I'm in the motel for tonight. I could do two or three rolls. And I was actually, but I thought you might get worried about it, me sitting here with a couple cups of chemistry. Uh-huh. I could have done them from but here. but it, Something like diafine, where you're just reusing the same chemicals, A and B, and then a yep. fixer, and then you're done. Of course, I mean, you could use a monobath to just make it easier. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I got enough of it mixed up. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's, mm-hmm. that's an awesome segment. Thank you, Leslie. You're welcome. Mr. Brown is in the fridge, right? Yeah, would you like a Mr. Brown? Oh, I was going to get up, but if you'd like to get up, that'd be even I better. can get up. I'm closer <laughs> to the fridge Anyone than you Anyone want an ice cold Mr. Brown? Unthow the Yeezys. Yes. Mr. Brown. Mr. Brown. After the Costco Fest. No thanks. Okay. I have a nice yes. Mr. Beer right I will now, join so. you on that, Michael. Okay, I will not Browns, let please. you drink alone. Would you please read this letter? And now a letter being read by letter. Mr. Mark Dalzell. Hey, Michael. Heartfelt thanks for the Film Photography Podcast. While I only stumbled upon the FPP back in June of 2015, I can't begin to tell you the impact that rediscovering film photography has had on my life. Not only has it transformed me as a human being, but it has brought joy, wonder, and delight to my friends and family. It says that. This is heavy stuff, man. Yeah. I'm going to need a Kleenex. <laughs> I'm an hour-long TV writer, producer, showrunner, and my wife is a film producer. While originally from Canada, we've been working in L.A. for the last 20 years. And after two decades in the entertainment industry salt mines, I was beginning to lose a little of my sparkle. I can honestly say that getting back into film photography has re-inspired, rejuvenated, and rekindled my passion for the, quote, industry. And I'm now looking forward to the next 20 years with an excitement bordering on giddiness. Look what you've done to this poor guy. Oh, my guy. God, we love Giddy. You are the Messiah. I'm too embarrassed to admit the number of cameras I've bought since June, but at least <laughs> okay, I'm having fun. okay. We understand. Fun. A lot of fun. By the way, 
I've added a few dozen more vintage camera magazine scans to the Dropbox link below since I originally sent it to you. All PDFs were OCR'd, so each magazine is now word searchable. Please enjoy and feel free to share with your FPP posse. Wow. Wow. What a letter. Who's that from? That's from Cheers from James. That's all it says is James. Thank you, James. It's nice to get a letter like that. That's awesome. Yeah. You're doing a good job. Would you like to read another? Hi, Mike, and the rest of the gang. Yes, that's us. Thank That'd you. That'd be us. Thank you. I stumbled upon the Film Photography Podcast a couple of years ago. I was instantly hooked to the show because I don't have any local friends who are into Aww. shooting film. I'm glad he put that So you guys that have besides. become my, quote, friends. You should hook up with James from the last letter. He'll cheer you <laughs> right <know>. up. <laughs> Thanks to my long drive... To and from work, I was able to go back to the beginning and catch up on the current shows. Catch up to the current shows. More. You do a great job, and I plan to be listening to you guys for a long time to come. It's hard to be entertaining and informative at the same time, but you guys pull it off well. On my personal journey of shooting film, I got sidetracked. I got back into film because I loved the look of it, and there was just something special about having prints in your hand or on the wall instead of pixels on a screen for me. But somewhere along the way, I caught a bad case of gas. Oh. A bad case. How I bad? Got, uh, let's see. I got so caught up in getting new interesting film cameras that all I seemed to be doing was hitting up thrift stores, looking around eBay, and scrolling through Facebook groups in search of the next great buy. When I shot a camera, I was always just testing it and not <laughs> shooting it like I had originally wanted to. Once I realized what I was doing, I came up with a plan to get back on track. I'm going to shoot a different camera every month for the next year. I'm going to pick out a couple of those that I really like and be getting rid of the rest. I told a couple friends about it. You guys know Sean Nelson, big-time FTV fan. And they suggested making a Facebook page so people could follow along. So I did. www.facebook.com slash 12 months 12 cameras. That's number numeral 12 months, numeral 12 cameras. Then someone suggested I do a YouTube video on the cameras I shoot, so I started a channel. Here's a link to the January vid on the Olympus Trip 35. I'm actually going to have a contest and give that Trip 35 to someone in the near future. Next month, I'm shooting the Kiev 60. Oh. That's a quite a flip from the trip yeah. to the <laughs> Kiev. Trip to the flip? Yeah. Trip to the flip to the Kiev. And in a couple of months, I'm going to be using your FPP debonair and doing a vid on it. Nice. I'd love to have you and any FPP listeners follow along and welcome any comments, ideas, and input. In closing, keep the great shows. What show? That's what it says. Coming. But stop giving me gas! <laughs> <laughs> Signed, FPP fanboy Mike Williams. All right. Wow. We, Mike and Williams. The last uh, few shows, we've had lots of gas-inducing uh, yeah. comments. Well, well, folks are binge listening. And I guess when you binge listen, you're, you're hearing, you're being stimulated, you know, so frequently with all these different cameras. And you yeah. hear us talking about, you know, we talked about the... Uh, <laughs> Bad example. FPP Generation K-147 plastic <laughs> camera. That's a different kind of gas. That yes, gives me. That's bad gas. You know, we talk about Trip 35. And we talk about all these great... What was that uh, brick? The, the 620 the brick? Oh, the Metalist. The Armadillo, yeah. The Metalist. So, um, and the Metalist is definitely gas-inducing. You know, it is, but then you talk about, like, the Chic M1, which you can pick right. up for a dime. So, yeah. yeah, they're not all detrimental, but... Hey. I admit, though, I do the same thing. I... I'm a I'm a collector. I have a collector mm. mentality, and I buy it if I don't have it. And I never sell anything. You know, I've never sold any camera that I've ever spoken about on the show. Wow. And but that's what happens is I get a camera and I use it for a week, and it's cool. And I, and I'm throwing a new kind of film I've never tried, and then I develop it in a different way. 
and I develop it and I scan it and I put it on Flickr and we talk about it and then that camera goes on the shelf. Know. There's always another one waiting, isn't there? Well, but that's yeah. you know that's now happened to me hundreds of times. So well, I, you know there are, there are only very few cameras that I go back to. My, oh no, we were saying earlier my, uh, the Minolta XGM and the X700 mm-hmm. are two of my main ones. The Nikon F is one of my main ones, and the F2 and F3. So I just I just listed five cameras that are the ones that I use all the time. But I buy a camera like it, then I immediately go out and buy a second body. Back so up. you've got double gas. Yeah, so I'll buy like a. I'll be like, oh, I really need a black Canon FTB. I'll buy it. Then I'll buy another one because then I have to have this. I go, you know, a backup I, for the backup. I do. <laughs> for the first time ever, last week I sold three cameras. I sold my entire RB sixty seven collection. Oh, all three of them. Well, I don't have one. Why don't you sell me one? Sorry, sorry, I didn't sorry. know. Went out the door Friday. I, I would actually try a Bronica SQ if one came my way at a reasonable price. Hmm. But I, I've had my way with Hasselblads and so forth, but not yeah. a Bronica. I, I, as we were sitting at the table here an hour ago, I bought some lenses from Mark that he happens to have sitting next to him. Like, I, yeah, it's just it's hard to stop. I don't have one of those. I need one of those. But then, folks listening, if you're going to you know a semi-important event, a family function, and you're shooting film, I do highly recommend you bring a second camera or a second camera body mm-hmm. uh, because mm-hmm. although it's, it's mm-hmm. rare. It has yet to happen. Sometimes that stuff hits the cement. It does. Yeah. Sometimes it's just over. That never happens. And, well, if you have like a Nikon N80 with the plastic backs. <laughs> yeah. I had one and oh. I dropped it in the elevator at work and it was never, the, you know, back broke. And I go, well, I won't get another mm. one of those because I know it's a problem. Yeah. And so yeah. it was like. I have a, I have a little S, um, SLR carrying case that holds, it's supposed to hold a body and a couple of lenses and this and that. But I can actually, I, I pack up my XGM with a zoom lens on it. A prime lens and then an X700 body or an XGM body, like a second body in the same kit. Mm-hmm. And usually, what I'll do is I'll have black and white in one color in the other or something. But that way, I only have to bring one set of lenses with me, and I can always be shooting two different films. Or if I drop one on the concrete, which has never happened, never happened, but you know, um, hypothetical. Yes. Let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. It's a great year for pictures. And Scofilm makes the picture right. And Scofilm any day or night. It's a great year for pictures, so why don't you go and get A-N-S-C-O. And Scofilm. And This weekend, make your pictures great with Ansco. And now Kodak presents a holiday reminder from Betty White. This week we'll celebrate the 4th of July. A good day to make the wonderful world of color yours with color snapshots. And you can do it so easily with your own camera, the one you have right now, and Kodakolor Film. Kodakolor Film comes in all the popular sizes. And believe me, next to the pickles, it's the most important part of the picnic. So when you're out for holiday fun, be sure to take along an extra roll or two of Kodakolor Film so you can capture all the fun and color of your happy family day. With Kodakolor Film, you can take color snapshots as easily as black and white. Just aim and snap, and you get beautiful, sparkling color prints. So no matter how you spend your day, save the fun in color. It makes a world of difference. Be ready before the 4th with Kodakolor Film in the familiar yellow box. Remember, you can depend on the name Kodak. Hey, we're back. Hey, before we get into our next topic... Mm -hmm. Let's talk about uh, our film of the week. We've been doing all year FPP a film of the week. And, uh, you know, it being June 1st and the sunlight is uh, starting to uh, be ablazing. Yeah. How, it's in my eyes. How about a Shmina blue-sensitive <gasps> film? I'm on it. 
<laughs> roll roll some extra because I'm on it. Yes, we're talking about a very low ISO mm. film. We're talking about an ISO one. Yeah, about or, one. Or one or 1.5-ish. Oh, I love that five stuff. Yeah. 1.6, is that that one? Yeah. Yeah. Let's see what the blue sensitive is. The film isn't, sadly, the film, when you look at it, it doesn't look blue. It doesn't have no, a blue it's, base. it's the bright yellow one. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. The label's blue. There you go. Uh, but this is, a lot of folks, you know, want to try something different. And now that it's a lot of sunlight. Mm. And long like, days. I mean, you've got, you know, 18-hour days in June. Yeah. Let's see what happens when I put this in the Google. The Google. S-V-E-M-A. Shmina Blue Sensitive. Oh, filmphotographyproject.com store. Oh, and this, I'll tell you, this this Google. This, this Google thing? Is good. They got Google here. Not random I, I don't even have to <laughs> click the link. Randomphoto.blogspot. This is the second one. Oh, I'll tell you. And it's t- <laughs> tell you a second. Shmina Blue Sensitive is a low-speed, high-contrast intended for lab use but will produce a very pleasing look when used for... Then it stops. Uh, then comes Flickr. Then comes uh, uh, Blia blog. That's Mike Patoxi. Mm-hmm. Then comes eBay. Then comes Facebook. Then comes Twitter. Then comes Picori.com. Then comes AlexLaux.com. Let's go to the next page. Okay. How is your stock on the uh, positive? Excellent. Maybe a uh, special on that would be fun. We did that in January. You did. The super positive. That was a super positive. Yeah. Oh, now I'm, I'm super positive. bummed. I'm, I'm, I'm I know. super bummed. <laughs> <laughs> well, Leslie, you always have a special. You just tell me what I you need know, and I, I send know. it over. I hear you. <laughs> but it's, it's a great film to try out if you've never tried such a thing. Blue sensitive means that you need to shoot it in daylight or with a very fast lens using a flash. When I say a fast lens, I mean like, you know, f1.2 or f1.4. So if you're using a 50 millimeter f1.4, Four at a sixty. What's a flash sixtieth of a second? Yeah, yeah. Most. And you're kind of close to your subject for like a portrait. When I say close, I mean like you know three, two, three feet for a, you know a bus shot. Uh, you can get some interesting results. <laughs> but if you're using a strobe or an intense flash, you'll get some really nice yeah. results too. So go to filmphotographyproject.com in the store, thirty-five millimeter film. You'll see the blue sensitive on sale. For the next two weeks, when I say on sale, I don't mean like a few pennies off. I mean cheap. Yes. So, I mean, go in there and try it out. And when you're in there, buy a few other things as well. Keep the podcast going. That's the way we keep things rolling. Keep the lights on. Keep the internet on. Keep the webmaster paid. Yada, yada, and yada, yada. And the Mr. Brown so, flowing. So if you had those blue, blue-covered flash bulbs, those might be perfect for that. <sighs> I think so. I think eat well. Well, when you talk about flash bulbs, I don't know if it ma- does it matter if it's blue coated or not. I think they're well, both, only for the color. They're both film. daylight. They're both daylight, but the color. The, but maybe for for blue. I light. wonder if it would give your skin a little different tonality, even though it's black and white. Yeah, it's, you know that sometimes. What does Dane call it? Chromy. Uh, yes. I think chromy look. The chromy look. Or it sweaty. Might, it might give it a, a different uh-huh. look since you're dealing, yeah. throwing an all blue light at it, which it loves. Speaking of flash bulbs, we do sell the uh, uh, number, uh, which what is flash bulb for like a Polaroid? M2s? M- M2. M3. M3. M3s. We sell M3s. And some customers have asked, oh, can you please send the clear? Because the blue, I have never seen but the it, difference. No, no, no. Blue, blue can be used for anything. Okay. Color, you must have the blue. Yeah. I don't really know if that matters. Yes, it does. Because the, the other Fuji ones, film. Because it's throwing off a more yellow light. 
So there's that fine. I would probably see the difference, and you men would probably go, looks fine to me, because you're all colorblind. Not me. Oh, all men are colorblind? About 95% of you suffer from a, a slight to a... Quite a bit of color. I do not know. Women see more vivid colors. And more correct colors. Oh, how about that? Well, mm-hmm. I've been on those color chart things. Yeah, well, how many woman, colors? Can, I, and I see it, the whole so. range. Yep. You're, I'm, I'm one of those strange guys. Exactly. Yeah. I read that somewhere. Yeah. I definitely see. I use, I'll use my um, 268 flash with my Polaroid that has the blue, the blue shield. In front of it. Yeah. And that definitely throws a blue tint. On oh, it does? Picture. Yeah. Interesting. If I'm using, a, fla- if I'm using a, 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 a brightly lit room and I'm taking a close-up picture of somebody... They'll come out bluer than the rest of the room behind them. That's not being hit by the flash. Mark O'Brien, what are you using when you're using your Polaroid automatic lamp camera for flash? For flash, I have both blue and clear bulbs. And you, just, you don't think about it? No. No, he's blind. <sighs> oh, I, I match yeah. them up. Or I'm using studio strobes and plugging them in, which was episode 100 and whatever. Right. And I've so. used them with strobes and, and that, but I don't use that. I don't use the flash on my Polaroid all that much. Okay. Mm. We'll be right back right after this quick message hey everybody it's michael rosso here to tell you about something very exciting in the fpp online store it's a brand new well it's a brand old well it's a brand new hand rolled 35 millimeter film fpp hand rolled exp vision 35 millimeter film this is 35 millimeter Kodak motion picture film that was acquired from FPP listener Mike from Hawaii. Aloha, Mike. This film was properly stored in refrigeration and is now resting at the Film Photography Project. This is a motion picture film process ECN-2. That means that this film, like the other vision film in the FPP online store, can only be home processed or processed by the Little Film Lab in California or the camera shop up in Minnesota. If you're home processing, this is a great time to try some vision film. It's very inexpensive. It's very inexpensive, and the batch tests so far have been turning out very great. Why not give it a try? Kodak FPP hand-rolled EXP Vision 35mm film. It comes in three different flavors, 100 Daylight, 250 Daylight, and 500 Tungsten. It also comes in a box, nine rolls for $29.99. Incredible. Check it out, filmphotographystore.com. Hey, we're back, and I'm very happy to tell you folks out there that Matt Marash has stopped by. Hey. Hey. What's going on, guys? And, we, and this is a new segment, artsy-fartsy <laughs> photography. <laughs> yup. How to talk about your work. And this is a really good topic because I have to tell you, self-promotion, I'll just say it, self-promotion is a bitch. It is. I hate doing it. It's and hard I, I, to do. And I imagine everybody like doesn't like doing it. it you, know? you know, you wish you had, everyone wishes that they had their own rep or their own salesperson or person, sidekick that could promote for them. Yeah, someone to go to bat for you. So it doesn't yeah. seem like you're so self-serving. Mm-hmm. But we have to do it. We need. We all need to promote our own work. And then, of course, when you're promoting, where's the the, the area of not being too obnoxious? Mm-hmm. So, what do you, take it away, Matt. I'm dying sure. to hear this. So, well, I mean, this this year, uh, 2016 for me, like 2015 was like shoot everything. Kind of was that <laughs> shoot everything. Uh, that was the kind of year for me. I just shot so 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 much. Uh, and 2016 is kind of taking a step back. I'm still shooting a lot, but um, this year is also kind of like the. 
getting the work out there, plugging plugging the work, trying to get shows together, uh, supply grants, proposals, all that sort of stuff. That's what uh, this year has become for me on top of designing a darkroom. In doing so, um, just some tips about talking to, you know, talking about your work. You always have to take a, f- the first thing you do, take a few steps back. Uh, don't assume everybody knows exactly what you're doing, especially if it's film. A majority of the time people are, they're just not even, they're going to be wowed that you're shooting, you're right. going to be shooting with film. So there's a fine line between kind of tooting your own horn and uh, and just <laughs> genuinely describing what you're doing. Tooting but yeah, but don't uh, you know? Don't sell yourself short on it either. I, I'm often guilty of that. Like it will eventually be uh, a talking point about your work, the fact that it's done on film. So think about why you shoot on on film, and if it's you know if it's a simple answer, work on it. <laughs> right. So, I mean, sometimes the simplest answers are the best, but usually people want you to to elaborate, talk a little bit more about film, because again, they they. In this day and age, we can't assume people even know how the film process works or what makes it different. So if you're shooting film, you already kind of have a leg up on talking about something because you have film to talk about. And if that is has something to do with the body of work or ties into why you're shooting with it or what the body of work is, definitely explain why that is. If it doesn't, uh, then you have uh, even more explaining to do. <laughs> yeah. Then why the heck are you shooting with film? You know, is it an aesthetic choice? Or? Well, I also think about our good friend Joseph Brunges uh, mm-hmm. when he was on the show last. You know, he it, he was talking about his work because he had moved forward and got a show. He put yes. a, a gallery show together. Mm-hmm. There was actually something to talk about. Yeah, like, there was a reason to talk about. Hey, come to my show. This is where it is. This is what it's about. This is what the theme is. It gives you a reason to talk about your work. Oh, definitely. Yeah, because you have uh, for shows, you have to have an artist statement. You have to have. Uh, not just about you, then you have to have a narrative about the about the work. Is it is it a collection of work? Is it an anthology of work? Is it just uh, your most recent work? Mm-hmm. Is it is it a collaborative? Is it something ongoing? You know, really just talk about time, process, uh, meaning, perhaps. Uh, and if it is narrative, like you know, what's going on? What's go? Why why does there have to be a, a narrative to it? You know, there is a lot of photography anymore that demands. A narrative on top of it you just can't take it at face value like that's a pretty tree uh you know like it that doesn't usually yeah. cut it anymore and just like when you're asking for something you know whether it be uh money support or you know any sort of support for your for your work usually you also kind of want to tie that um the explanation of your work into well why you know why sometimes why is a very hard question to answer but is there is there a greater uh, purpose that it's serving no you you always want to be thinking outside of just what you know what you're doing because as somebody that's in the the middle of your work you you're very tunnel visioned on it you're only focused on getting to the end of it getting this show done and like right. moving on but usually you have to kind of take a step back and t- uh, look at the whole picture like oh i was doing this or you know try to try to appreciate it a little bit more and try to see uh how, how somebody else would be viewing your work yeah artist statements are seems to be one of the things that you you see the whole gamut of them sometimes oh, yes. you go where is this person pulling this stuff from mm-hmm. to you know to i like to take pictures yeah, exactly <laughs> you know and in some cases i like to take pictures it might be all you really need but it's good to put things into a context exactly sometimes people um, especially if you go to an art school some students in art school and do a showing and you see the the things that you read in there and sometimes it's it's hilarious because you just 
you think they really worked hard to um, come up with something that doesn't tell you anything. <laughs> they, had, they had a heyday with the, the, the thesaurus. thesaurus yeah. Yes, yes. And if you are doing, you know, doing a body of work, after a while you accumulate so much stuff that um, it oftentimes becomes it's harder for you to edit your own work in mm-hmm. terms of what you want to produce because you've got so much. So I think it's a good idea to keep a diary of oh. the things you're doing, in a little notebook somewhere, what you're, what attracted you to something. Because later on down the line, a few years later, you might go back to that image and, and not quite remember exactly why you were there shooting someplace. And there may be other details that you'd like to include mm-hmm. at some later date. But if you don't, you know, we even though we have that photograph, we don't always remember all the things that led us to that point. Definitely. So a diary is not a bad thing to do, mm-hmm. just to keep you... Keep yourself honest in a way, but also remind you why you went someplace and did, did and what you did. One thing I notice about uh, the current way that people share photos, so a majority of which now would be like Facebook and Instagram, it doesn't actually leave a lot of room for narrative on no, there. It, it is just a post, and that's it. Uh, one thing I do like about Flickr now, I'm just like this angry old man because I don't, I'm not on Instagram, but Flickr actually, you know, it, it kind of de-emphasizes it a little bit now. But you can add a narrative to yes. it. You can add a story behind it. And for me, it's it's that's my diary on it. That yeah. little that little snippet that I remember, right. and I can go back six years. I can go back seven years to when I first started doing all, all the film stuff, and like, oh, okay, that's yeah. what was going through my head. Yeah. I, I don't look at it like that now. It's just kind of a cool picture, but yeah, you can uh, definitely start to appreciate your work uh, a little differently and construct something. Yeah. based on what you were thinking and feeling at the time. Yeah. Both Instagram and Tumblr do give you space to write narrative. Yeah, but people, I mean, now it's just littered with hashtags. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah. I always put narrative. Hashtag cat, hashtag selfie. Cats hashtag. of Instagram, catstagram. Yeah. Cats of Instagram. Hashtag cats on film. Yeah, exactly. Hashtag FPP. But you have to also be able to take criticism. If you're promoting your own work, you need to have a bit of a thick skin. Very much so, yeah. yeah everybody, everybody sees things completely differently, especially if you're really getting it out there in the the art side of things. You you will have to withstand critique, and not not like Facebook critique, right, right, which which mm-hmm. only seems to come in two flavors: love it, yeah. love it, great, and uh, just ripping you to shreds. <laughs> so, in a nutshell, how do in you nutshell, talk about your work? In a nutshell, I think. Uh, Leslie has a, a single frame that a single frame that kind of just gets you started. That sums it, it up. Your tip of the show. My tip of the show. Yes. The uh, and this comes from Professor Jeff years hey. years ago when he shot weddings. Whoa, that was yeah. ancient. But it also works if you're planning a gallery show or you're going to present your present your images to a, a client. He always said, "We have a tendency to wow them at the first with a great image." And then you just go down. I'm going to get you with the big one. But you need to end with a big one, too. So the first two, the last two, they need to be your strongest images. So they're really excited. Then they fall asleep. And then... Voice <laughs> of <laughs> Mark Dazelle. And, uh, and then you really blast What's them What's going end. on? So uh, <laughs> that, that's a little tip that uh, has been beneficial to me. And you, you really don't think of it, but it works very well. And it, it's, it does. It does. It's also, uh, a side, pro- side yeah. note, it's also a nightmare to hang a show where uh, Professor Jeff is looking over your shoulder because he's constantly saying that, except about every image you hang. <laughs> <laughs> and the other quote, why so many freaking, freaking trees? trees? Of course. <laughs> Too many freaking trees. Mm. Interesting. Let Go me ahead. add a little bit on that, yes. too. Um, in the Ann Arbor Crappie Camera Club, we've had a series of shows. Mm-hmm. Getting a bunch of different photographers together to give a show um, around a theme or a, or, a, or a tool or 
an idea is is a like herding cats sometimes mm-hmm. and uh eventually it comes together i think uh you know that w- when people have been shooting film for a while it's not they're doing their thing they may not be looking at who they're trying to emulate or so forth but by the time they've been shooting for a few years usually they've got a better idea of mm-hmm. what they're of what they're of the medium number one and you're not thinking so much about the medium or exactly what kind of tool you have to get there. You're thinking about what what's in your head and what you're what you're trying to accomplish. And sometimes it's just a lucky shot. You know, you can't you can't ignore that. It always enters in there because sometimes you get something that's like, wow, I really like the way this came out, and you don't have no idea exactly what you did for that shot. But I think the main thing is as you develop consistency in getting to be a better photographer and a better consistency in achieving whatever idea or um, mood or whatever you're trying to present and being successful with it. Well said. That's great, yeah. I'm impressed with what you're doing, Mark O'Brien, because not every town can really keep it together. It's it's hard, it's hard to keep those yeah, clubs together, and, yeah. and people wax and wane in their interests. Yeah, and and that's part of the thing. You also hope to keep attracting new people, and they may stay around a lot longer, or some may only just come to a meeting or two. But maybe you've infected them with them <laughs> with enthusiasm for film if they've not been doing a lot of it before. And sometimes all they need is that little nudge. And we're all great at sharing our. Yeah, our toys and our film and, and our knowledge, and uh, sometimes all you need is that little bit of eth- extra enthusiasm to think, "Oh yeah, I can do this. It's not a big deal." That's fantastic. So join a club. Join a club, definitely. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks. See, hey, we'll be right back. Retro Chrome. Color slide film. Color slide film is a color positive film traditionally used to make slides that you would put in a slide projector to have slide presentations for your friends and families. These days, you can still put together old-timey slide show presentations, but you can also scan your slide. So in many ways, it's even more fun than shooting color negative because you have the option of projecting your slide or, of course, scanning your slide. Film Farania in Italy, for folks who have been listening to the show... What show? know that a brand new color slide film is being introduced. So while we're waiting, Retro Chrome, FPP has unearthed from a vault color slide film made by Kodak, Kodak Ektachrome, that we're calling FPP Retro Chrome. FPP Retrochrome comes in 160 ISO and 320 ISO. The miles of film that we have acquired has been thoroughly tested. I encourage everyone to go to the FPP online store to try. To try because many of you out there have never shot color slide film. FPP Retrochrome. Retrochrome. Hey, let's get into a topic. Mark, how do you feel about talking about, uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I got the Pentax here. We can talk about, we can talk Pentax. Yeah, let's talk about Pentax ME. These Pent- are cute little cameras. They're adorable. <laughs> Pentax, it's like the Pentax Mini. Um, yeah, this, this is a great camera. I have had a few of these. They're tough cameras. You can bounce them across the floor of a chemical warehouse. 
uh, and they get right back up. <laughs> all right. <laughs> We've danced around it all episode, but yes, I dropped this on the floor, and it smashed into a couple of pieces. And You I dropped it onto a concrete floor. Concrete floor in a chemical warehouse. But I managed to get it back together, and it went right back to shooting. It's fine. These you are put it it's back amazing. together in like seconds. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the back was off. The lens was flying. And it's good as new. Listen. So we don't know if you have any light leaks. Oh, there's no light leaks. Okay. Why, 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 why would you say that? Well, I don't know why. What a I would terrible say thing that. to say. It's a horrible <laughs> thing to say. Now, Mark, when did you first discover the Pentax ME? I'll, you know, I'll tell you why in a second. Okay. okay. <laughs> um, I'm. I don't even remember, but I'm sure I picked. I picked it up at a flea market or a yard sale or somewhere. I've had a wide variety of. Well, I've had. A, I've had a couple of the MEs. I've had a bunch of the ME supers. Never had one of those that worked properly though. The supers? For some reason, the supers never work for me. And I have an MEF, but it's missing its yeah. autofocus lens, unfortunately. That's the, auto, the first autofocus camera, but it's missing okay. its crazy lens. Um, but, yeah, the, the, uh, the basic ME, I mean, it's a standard, you know, mid to late 70s SLR camera. It does all the things that you would expect a late 70s SLR camera to do. It's just a, it's kind of a stripped-down version. So it's sort of semi-manual. It's an aperture priority camera. It'll take any of the... You know, it's any of the K-mount Pentax lenses. Your only choice for shutter speed is auto, which it selects with the TTL meter and based off of your aperture. Or it's got a fixed hundred hundredth of a second for flash photography or bulb. Um, so it's very it's a simple, simple camera. Very simple to use. It's just it's kind of like I'm an aperture priority guy anyway. I'm a Minolta guy. I like my XGM. You know, so I, I it is my aperture priority. Yeah, and I live by what aperture I'm shooting at. I don't really care as long as the shutter speed's at least a sixtieth of a second. I don't really care what my shutter speed is. I'm all about the aperture that I'm getting. I, I like to keep an eye on my depth of field and that sort of thing. So that's I control the camera by selecting the aperture, and I just look through the through the viewfinder to see what sh- speed it's telling me. And yeah, I tend yeah. to go as wide open as I can until it yeah. it just can't. Yeah, it's just too fast. Does it have a if you have one of those lenses that has a program, is there all program mode for this camera? No, no. It's, it's an aperture priority camera. Auto shutter speed, aperture priority. Yeah. The the rest of the specs are are pretty good on it. Um it'll go officially it'll go from uh, a thousandth of a second all the way up to eight seconds of shutter speed. But I know from experience where I accidentally like pushed the shutter speed shutter down when I had a body cap on that it'll go like a minute um, before it lets up. So the eight seconds, if you want to do some super long exposure stuff, I don't know what the what the outside limit of it is, but um, it'll go pretty long. The the kind of neat feature about it is that it has like the biggest viewfinder of any SLR. I see. When you look through it, it's yes. got a. It looks doesn't look like anything from the back, but it's got a giant viewfinder when you look through it. Um, it has a, a 0.97x viewfinder. That's good. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is Nikon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Apparently, from what I see online, bigger bigger than anything. Mm-hmm. Right. But um, I see you pimped it out with this auto. I've got the winder on it. Yeah, it's got a couple of features that you can get for it. So I've got the. Uh, well, it forgets what the model number is. Is that actually a Pentax auto winder, or is this it- is the Pentax ME winder because the camera is so small? Yeah. The stuff is made specifically for it. So this is the ME. It fits the ME, the ME Super, and the MEF right. winder. And then they also again because it's smaller than normal, there was a replaceable data back that you could get for it. So there was there was the ME data back which would um imprint the yeah. uh the date time your f-stop your shutter speed onto the edge of the film oh onto the edge of the film that's yeah. handy so mm-hmm. yeah so you could which is which would be a cool feature you know even today to be able to go back and it's you know it's 1970s technology 
EXIF data. This this was made from 76 to 79. 79, it was replaced with the ME Super. So the ME Super looks exactly the same, but it adds back all of your selectable shutter speeds. Um, it has a, a wider range of shutter. I think it goes up to 2,000th of a second. Okay. It just turns into a full-featured, fully manual SLR. But like I said, I've never seen one that worked, so I don't know. I don't know if there was something about the build quality or if it just happens to be bad luck that I haven't found one. But good little camera. I enjoyed it quite a bit. Oh, and then, as I mentioned, the MEF, which was, uh, unless I'm mistaken, first I don't know these. autofocus SLR. Same body again, essentially. In, in the Pentax line, uh, not in the world. I think in the world. Mm-mm. What was the first one? The first one, I believe, was Olympus. The first successful one without a motor in the lens. Oh, well, this has Minolta. a motor in the lens. Yes, the X700, yeah. 7,000. Or 7,000. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, so the MEF lens has a little pod on the bottom. It took four AA batteries mm-hmm. in the lens itself. So the, all the motors were built into the lens, yeah, which is huge and clunky. But I would love to get one of those and see what it sounds like. But, uh, yeah, I don't have that. But, anyway, that's the MEF. Well, there's also the MESE, the special edition, which had the – That's true. It had the nice um, brown leatherette cover. That's the one that was brown? Yeah, I, I, ha- one, I right? had a couple of those. Totally well, the, yeah, the, the Emmys were available in black, chrome, or the brown one. You you I mentioned the other day that you had one. I don't know for sure if you did. I have know. a brown one that the counter doesn't work. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, that's right. Yeah, we talked about Is it. Is that one I, I sent I would... you? Yes. Okay. Oh, that's yes. All... See, it all comes full circle. Yeah. Yes, I was testing it. Yeah, the counter doesn't work, but it works you fine. Counter, otherwise, the... But otherwise, it works fine. Yes, but uh, you know uh, when it's something as simple as a counter not working, it automatically puts it into the the island of lost cameras. Oh, I'll give it to mm-hmm. him. Well, yeah. So I can pop the top off and see if it's something okay. fixable. If it's just the counter, then it might be something. Simple. You know, I have sent some uh, these ME cameras to schools, but the question is, are these do these because it's not uh, you can't go fully manual? Is this something mm-hmm. that should, students should use as opposed to a a K1000. Depends on the instructor. It does, right? And the age limit, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit younger, they don't. They don't really Yeah, care. you've got classes. A little bit older, they want it full student. manual. Yeah. So yeah. There's, there's different levels. Um, yeah, this is this would be like second level, yeah. whatever. What's the second color of karate belt of, uh, <laughs> of camera? Yeah. Where you're getting into aperture party and starting to learn about depth mm-hmm. of field. Also, they're, they're a small camera for small hands. Mm-hmm. You know, if you ever see a regular sized SLR in a kid, small child's hands, it's a big camera. Yeah, this camera with the motor winder on it is about as big as a regular SLR just body by itself. Like it's it definitely, when you're holding just the camera by itself, it feels yeah. tiny. I'd love to get a little K-mount pancake lens for it. I, I would shoot The 45 the is nice. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'd love to get a little tiny lens for it. But um, yeah, I've got a couple here. I've got, I mean, I've got the, you know, the one everyone's got, which is the 50 millimeter one four. Um, I've also got, we talked about this a while ago, but I've got the, the Holga lens that I've been shooting with it that I'm still trying to. Now, what? What influenced you to go out and buy a Holga lens for your Pentax ME? This came with a kit of other stuff. It was in the bag. I think. Okay. So I, uh, I wouldn't normally because I would just shoot the Holga. Right. It, yeah. I don't want. I don't need all the extra weight and everything. And this is the first time this weekend. You're sh- this is the first time you're shooting with that uh, uh, Holga lens on your Pentax. Well, sidebar. I mean, we talked about this mm-hmm. like a few shows two ago. months ago. Yeah, on the show. Oh, popping all the stuff off yeah, the back. Yeah, which I'm I own that for the Canon, which I'm going to do as soon as I get home. I mean, I've had it. I should say I've had it for a couple. I don't use it because I don't care. I'll just shoot with a Holga if I want something to look like a Holga. And then I've also got this nifty um, macro lens, which is a, a Pentax 2.8 50, mil, 50 millimeter, but it'll focus down to about three inches. 
and yeah. I use this thing like it's crazy. It's a nice lens. I love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it feels really good, but I, I don't tend to ever use zoom lenses, but I always wish I could focus closer. Uh, you know, you're sitting at a table in a restaurant and you want to take a picture of the person next to you, you know, or whatever. This, you know, this is great in a close quarters. Setting, oh, let me so. see that. What is that? A zoom? So that's my, that's my, no, it's a, it's the, it's the opposite of a zoom. That's, that's my macro. Oh, if you, oh, if you're sitting next to one in a restaurant and you want to get it out. Yeah. Then, so that, that'll focus down to three inches. Right. So it's the only a portion of their face, but that's so right. lot. But it should be in nice, focus. It's a nice compact, normal 50 millimeter lens right. anyway. That'd be super. And I, I enjoy it. And are you pleased with the pictures you've taken with it? Yeah, I've been using this for a while. There are quite a few on my photo stream, and it it takes good, good pictures. So lately, as of late, this is your you grab and go camera. Yeah, the last couple of weeks for sure. Um, I've I've been I put a couple of rolls through this, and uh, yeah, it, I, I figured for for this trip too, it was um, more compact than the others. And yep. And how many times can I bring out the X seven hundred or the XGM and talk about those? So, or the opposite, like the Nikon F, which is huge and heavy. Right. So yeah. Well, thank you, Mark. Sure. Let me read a quick letter. Mm-hmm. This is from Joseph Perry. Hey, Mike and the FPP gang, I am a classic car enthusiast, and I also love your site and podcast. Check out the link below to an article Hemmings had on a camera giveaway from the 60s that was done as part of the Ford Lincoln Ford Mercury promo. I copied everyone. You did, on this. yes. Hemmings Motor News. I think the FP has written about these cameras before, but they may have been under a different name. I hope you enjoy the link. And this was blog.hemmings.com. It's a snapshot of the past. Basically, if you went to your car dealership in the 60s, they gave you a Savoy camera. Oh, Oh, the the colored ones, right? Yeah. Oh, Oh, they're beautiful. Yeah, and of course, these Savoy cameras are now collector items. Yeah, even if they are junk in terms of Mm. taking They are junk, but (laughs) they took 620 film. And they're fun little cameras. They're just like a little toy camera. Yeah. So how cool is that? They are cool. Thank you, Joseph. If they're in the original box, they're worth even more. And talking about, uh, this is from Mark Garrett, regarding our show we did uh, much earlier in the year, or maybe it was last year, uh, where you brought in, Leslie brought in the Mystery Practica. Yeah. He says, I found an amazing online Practica collection owned by a man called Mike. Yep. Know him. I can see it is going to take a long time to read through such a treasure trove. And it is Practica, P-R-A-K-T-I-C-A, dash, collector, dot, D-E. Mm-hmm. Mark is saying, hey, this could be your camera, because you didn't know the exact model. No, I've camera. been to the site and still couldn't convince myself. Mm. Mark says, I have a Exa one and enjoy the shutter button on the front and the waist-level viewfinder. The Exa has a shutter lock switch, which would help with your little accidents. Oh, I know what he's talking about. Yep. Because every time I'd pick it up, I'd fire it. Oh. Cheers, Mark Garrett. Bristol, yeah. England. Thank you, folks. If you want to write in... Those pod- UKers are coming through, aren't they? Yes. 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 Podca- they are. Mm-hmm. Podca- I think we're as popular in the UK wow. as we are here, which uh, uh, raises a question... <sighs> We go to the UK. Are you gonna come with us, Mark O'Brien? Oh gosh, <laughs> when? <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah, well, maybe you would. You consider it? I would consider it. You'd have a blast. I've dumped my big old American car just to get a UK car. That's I love right. those guys so much. You could That's drive right. your Jaguar over there. I could. I'd get really good gas mileage once they hit the shore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How about you, uh, Mark Delzell? We going back to the UK? Yeah, I'm there. Let me know. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, it sounds like it may happen. Is Dane allowed back in yet? He doesn't look like a professor anymore. <laughs> he puts the glasses on. Yeah. <laughs> so let's say you wear a kilt. Our next topic is called series filters, what they are and how to use them. 
Useful Antiques <laughs> by, yeah. by Mark O'Brien. Take it away, Mark. Okay. Yeah, they are useful antiques, and a lot of people have no idea what they're talking about when you, when you speak about series filters. They were, I think they were developed by Kodak for the most part, used for both still and movie photography, are usually assigned Roman numerals, which has to do with the size of the, of the diameter of the filter. And series filters come in three parts. There's an adapter section, which screws into your camera or slips on over the outside of the lens, depending upon whether it's a press-on fit. And some of them have little tabs that you can adjust in or out to get that grippy, to make them grip the outside of the lens barrel. Um, so you have a, a, an adapter, you have the filter itself, and it could be a gelatin filter, it could be a glass filter, um, it can be whatever kind of filter that you, you have in terms of what its purpose is for, or it could be a lens hood, and then they have the retaining ring, which screws in. Uh, the most common ones used for still photography are series 5, 6, 7, and 8. I would say that a lot of the pre- Pre-war cameras, especially, and maybe into the early 50s, there was really no big standard of lens diameters. And so many of these cameras either had no screw-in threads in the front of them or they or you used a push-on filter, or you had to find a, some special adapter to make them fit. And in fact, there are series filters for Bay 1 filters and so forth. So there's a, there's a big slew of these things that were made a lot of them made in America, um, is mm-hmm. the various little industries that were out there. Kodak certainly packaged their own. You have a drawers of filters. I have drawers of these things. Well, many years ago, well, to be exact, about 2007, 2008, I was working with the Michigan Photographic Historical Society, and we went to the a former um, owner of, of a camera store, his estate, and his wife had all these boxes of things in the garage, and we pulled all these out and took them to my house. And it was thousands and thousands of series filters in all their little boxes and everything. And it, it was actually quite an experience. And we mined these with the, with the crappy camera club members, and we found all kinds of adapters for, for various things. And they were very useful. And even today, some there are some um, close-up filters that you can get, or special effects filters, which actually are series um, six filters, threads, and they have an adapter for your camera, usually 52 millimeters or 49 millimeters, something like that. So you can use these series filters with, with modern cameras, uh, provided you find the right diameter adapter ring, and there's a whole bunch of them. The nice thing about this is you can have one filter that fits multiple cameras, and if it's a series six or a series seven, it's going to fit a large, the majority of lenses you'll come across. When I was using a Pentax six by seven, the diameter of those lenses are 67 millimeters across or so, and so I'd use series eight or nine filters with the appropriate adapter ring. So, I, and you can get neutral density filters and so on and so forth for all these things, just like in the regular screw-in filters. Tiffin was was a big was a big manufacturer of these. Um, Entico was another one. Entico. Yes. Edna uh, Light. Brooklyn, Edna New Light. York. So, and it, you think about this, and they had all these small little industries mm-hmm. producing these things in the in the U.S. back yep. in the day. And uh, they all have numbers on them and so forth and what size they are. And, and the important thing is that they, that. they have, um, they tell you what the diameter of the adapter is for and whether it's a press. See, the press fit ones have these little series of, 
of indentation or indentations in them, so you can press them in or out to make them fit over the lens. I'm always throwing these away. <laughs> Are what? you? These press yeah. in. Where do these go into? On the outside of the barrel. So if you had what kind of camera? Well, it depends. If you had some of these old range finders, like an Argus, you could. They would fit on the outside of the, of the barrel. Mm-hmm. Right. So if you had, here. oh, here, right here. That's almost right. It's oh, not, too big, but yeah, it would just push on there. They push on the outside of those. No kidding. And and if you had, and some of the um, view cameras and so forth have the same thing. A lot of those lenses do not have any kind of filter threads on them, and they had push-on adapters for all those view cameras that were out there. And wow. And so they even have some of these Telesar, this is a Telesar Series yep. 6 auxiliary wide-angle lens for a variety of cameras. It probably, probably even fits on the Yashikas, things like that. This is wide-angle. Wide angle adapter, yeah. Whoa. So they they um, got more complex as time went on. Some of the early ones, they made a lot of these for movie cameras. Mm. and But early on, the biggest number of filters they had were color compensation filters in various color combinations for whatever color temperature of film you were using and whatever effect that you were, you were engaging in. But they had all these beautiful little holders for them. Kodak had these... Looks like a little luncheonette thing or something. It's uh, a, they have all they fit. In, they fit inside these, yeah. and so you might ask, what good are these things? And the thing is, if you like to experiment with toy cameras and so forth, you can find some of these for next to nothing in estate sales. They also had a polarizing filler, Ooh. and so you say, how do you work with these things when they just screw on here? And for the longest time, I always wondered about that, but they had. A series polarizer filter, which fit, which goes in. This little arm is on the outside, and as you turned it, you looked in the in the little viewing window there, and it gave you the kind of polarization effect you're going to get. And that's how you gauge how these wow. work. That's beautiful. Aren't that's they? A great idea. Wow, they woke up Mark. Yeah. They're beautiful pieces of engineering. I have anything to say. I've been sitting back here, but now suddenly. <laughs> it's like a little periscope, isn't yeah. it? And so they're fantastic. And these aren't something you you find commonly. Not, Lots not of times that, they're hmm. so old that the Polaroid film has shrunk in them and they've got moldy or whatever. This one's really nice shape. But there's, they made them for all kinds of things. Tiffin was a big manufacturer. There was eight. Harrison & Harrison was oh, another which one. Which they still are. And uh, Waltz was another manufacturer yep. of these fillers. Lots of UV fillers. But primarily, they were the most of these, probably the biggest number of filters that were used or the most commonly used filters were either close-up filters, diopters, and so the Kodak also sold these, and they have these beautiful, beautiful, these aren't Bakelite, it's it's 10X or some other kind of, mm-hmm. of plastic, which is uh, very cool, very Art Deco, and so you'll see these yellow and black um, circular canisters for their, for their filters, and they're really nice for carrying them in. They made various sizes, um, the Series 3 and 4 filters are very tiny, most mm-hmm. of those are made for movie cameras, 8mm cameras. Other thing with these is that they have... Um, Lens shades that fit the, the series filters. So there are some filters you can you seem to only find as some of these old series filters, and there's also gelatin filter holders which fit in the series filter holders as well. So they're kind of a thing to keep an eye out for. You you might find some old some old store somewhere, and they've got these things sitting around. Many of these are very yeah. well made. Many of them, if if you depending where someone had them stored, they might have been sitting in someone's basement for a long time. They might be kind of gr- grungy as well. So you, you but they d- can clean up. There are neutral density. Filters in the series, and anything you can find today in a screw-on filter, 
many of them you can find as series filters. They go, some of them may be quite old, and I think they probably stopped making these probably in the 60s for the most part. When series filters? Well, they, for the most part, the popularity waned in the 60s, but once cameras started from Nikon and Canon and with all their screw-in filters in the front, they certainly were less popular than the, the new We ones. sold primarily the bigger ones, Series 8, Series yes. 9s for big video camera type oh, yeah. of thing, okay. that application. And when that was from Tiffin. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and the other thing is that, um, I was going to talk about this. Well, so Siri, the, with the series filters, you might have diopters, one plus one plus two plus three. But they also had lenses that were reducers, which gave mm-hmm. you a wide-angle effect, more or less. And you would wonder why would you want it? Well, if you want to get more of the image in the frame, you could use one of these, one of those. Um, many of them are used for view cameras and folding cameras and so forth. And you also had um, probably adapters, some of them that fit some of the Polaroids as well. The other most common ones you would probably find would be the, the K2 yellow filter. Yes. Yes. Uh, the red 25As. Mm-hmm. Well, some of these companies I'm, I might interrupt. Like their number, that company's number is different. Like, like we need a number twelve, uh, a number twelve yellow, yeah, right, for uh, infrared. But that may be the equivalent in a different brand, right? Mm-hmm. And this one is a Series Seven Plan Optic Two XY, and yeah, I remember that. And so yeah. there's that's a light. And, and so yeah, they have different different names according yeah. to who made them. Too bad that it isn't a uniform. Exactly. The and I think they tried with Rat. Rat exactly. seems to be this, this one that was the most most commonly used. And here, this has it's just it's, it's it? just it's just unmounted. And you would find a lot of these too as well. Many of them had had a metal band around the edge, but mm-hmm. not all of them did. The Waltz made an awful lot of them. Edna Light was another another manufacturer, and they had these beautiful little. Little little cases that they came in, coated solid optical glass filter. So there's no plastic in these. So the the yellow, the red, and would be the most common ones you would probably find. But also green filters, some blue yes. filters, mm-hmm. orange, and and also the color compensation. Like you'd have, yeah. you'd have a number eighty two B for for using tungsten film with, in daylight, things like that. Here's a rat and. 87 IR film. Here we go. And Whoa. as you can see, it, it is basically, you know, can't see through it at all because you, we can't see IR. Um, we could use that for the FPP we could, uh, yes. black and white infrared. We, we could try it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. On, uh, on what type of camera, though? Uh, whatever we take that Series 6 filter, we could find an adapter for it. it that, that was the beauty of it. If you have the filter, you can find the adapter and then make it fit your camera. Mm-hmm. So if, if this fits on, let's say, an old Kodak that has bulb mode. You could calculate the time and then just hold the right. Put it mm-hmm. uh, mounted somewhere, and you could shoot IR film. Right. In fact, if you had the, some of the Konica IR film in in one twenty, you could put oh. it on a, on a folder or something like that and and shoot it as well. Yeah, you can't see anything. I've got one of those, beans. and I think a fifty two threaded, a little bit more modern, the eighty seven, and it's yeah, that's some nothing filter. There. There's nothing there. Yeah, there's nothing there. There's a lot of cool filters out there. Um, things you can. And here's a gelatin fil- filter frame for, for series. And the only oh. other thing I have to add to that is that it pays to keep your eye open and, and just learn about some of these things because you never know when you might say, oh, I've got this toy camera I want to use a filter with. And, yeah, you could tape the darn thing on. But if you have found a series so that's just the right size to screw in or go over the threads, the outside of the lens, then you've got something that you can actually work with. 
And you can stack these as well. You can put more than one filter in some of these. The other the other thing is some are made for standard thread sizes too. Is um, A lot of these early adapter rings are made for whatever size camera you need to adapt them to. So you might find one that's got a 20, then they were inches, you know, so it might be three quarters of an inch or one and a quarter inches diameter you're, you're threading onto. It's, uh, it depends what, you know, you can find these things. It's not like you, not like you can walk into a camera right. store and say, do you have any, ser-? they would probably look at you like you came off, you know, Mars if you asked them for a series <laughs> filter. You can find them. And there's probably a lot on eBay. The, the, the back to the story about the, the big lot of them that we had, we finally sold what was left over to a guy at the MIPHS sale. He paid $75 for about 50 pounds of this stuff. And he probably, he got a, one heck of a deal. This leads into, if you had any camera and you're, especially we're talking black and white film here, what three filters would I bring along with me? Mm-hmm. Um, it would be a yellow K25 filter, a red 25A, or red, is it 25A? Yeah. Mm-hmm. A K2 is a yellow, a red 25A, and a polarizer. And with those three, are going to cover about 90% of the things I would need, situation I would need to have a filter for for black and white film obviously if you're doing if you're shooting color you might have a a different idea of the the filters you want to bring along and of course if you forget that you're shooting color film you put the yellow filter on there or the red filter you'll get just what you think red and yellow pictures but it's now called red scale so you're happening oh yeah well there you go (laughs) that's it that's it thank you mark that was awesome and we're going to segue right into leslie's presentation the polarizing differences between polarizers let's do it let's do it we already pretty much know what a polarizer does if you don't um, they're great for color they're great for black and white they saturate your color increase separation so you get a darker sky but nice white clouds they remove glare off of water or paint surfaces so they're great to shoot cars with a 25a red filter and a polarizer can give you almost Pure black skies with black and white film. Very dramatic. Pretty awesome. And who's responsible for all this? Who? Who? Some guy at the age of 13 was infatuated with light. Some guy, that same guy, when he was 19 years old, developed a synthetic polarizer. Edwin Land. That's right. And why did he do it? What was the made? What did he want? What do you he, want? He wanted them in car headlights, and he wanted matching ones in windshields or windscreens to save lives. And he could never get the dealerships to, not the dealerships, I don't mean that, the manufacturers, car manufacturers, to put the money into them. And he says one life is worth it. And he had these great little commercial you know, showing someone is standing out in the road, but there's blaring headlights, and you don't see them. And the polarizing material goes over, and there's a person there. But with his smarts and his friend, George Wheelwright, they developed the first synthetic polarizing material in sheets. It was very, very, very expensive before. And because of that, we get polarizing sunglasses. We get 3D movies. Whoa. Yeah, and all kinds of stereoptical products. And we get polarizing filters for our cameras before that just incredibly expensive but there are two different kinds there's one that's called a linear and one that's called a circular yes you know the difference the circular turns so does the linear (gasps) oh and of course if it turns it must be a circular and that's how they're sold on ebay and (laughs) that would not be right 
it, it you can you can actually do the almighty Google and find out just exactly what a polarizer is doing and how it's doing it. The Google. But uh, what it boils down to and the reason we have to, the linear is an older version where we didn't have beam splitters inside of our cameras or in the pentaprisms. Our modern beam splitters split the light coming in and they give a percent to focus, a percent to exposure, a percent to something else. And the linear was just whacking that all out. Things were wrong. The percents were wrong. So your exposure could be off up to maybe two stops. And we thought everything was going good. So they, they make the circular polarizer. It keeps that percent of light that's coming in even across the whole area as far as reading your exposure and your autofocus. The autofocus issue, I don't know if it's so much. There's so many keyboard commandos out there, you know, chiming in. But uh, part of the problem may be, especially with our first autofocus, is they took quite a bit of light. And when you got to low light, they had trouble working. If you put a polarizer on, that may just cut its limit as to where it could work. I'm not sure if it's simply because it's scattering that light inside improperly or just subtracting light from it. If you have a camera that has autofocus, you probably need a circular polarizer. We think, well, just think modern cameras. No, back to like the Olympus OM-10 and 2, those need circular polarizers. They use beam splitters inside to split and throw the light all over. If it has a semi-transparent mirror, part of the light's going one way, part of it's going another till it flips up, you need a circular polarizer. You can almost always get away with a circular polarizer for everything. You don't have to have a circular, they cost more, for a mirrorless camera. Can use a linear. Hmm. Uh, sometimes that um, can be a quite a difference in price. The linear, and they usually designated uh, polarizer L or C polarizer on the side. What is it? There's a different application for the linear versus circular. The application is different. How it delivers the light into your camera, mm. or the application is the same. How it delivers it inside your camera, and how your camera it reads your light is where it all goes to hell in a handbasket. Which is the preferred? I like to match up the proper. Oh, but circular. Oh, so both your, let's say you're shooting, it's broad daylight, you're shooting a car window. Mm-hmm. You turn the, the, mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. turn the filter until you see through the glass properly. Exactly. Until you see what you want. Either version, either filter. Li- the right. Mm-hmm. Either one, yes. Yes. But there's a way to tell if you have a filter that's not marked, which one do you have? Probably uh, linear. No. Not necessarily. A linear polarizer, and I had a, a situation where I dropped this, so now it's just a piece of glass. A <laughs> linear polarizer, it doesn't matter front to back. You can flip it oh, around, okay. and it will work. So I just I just took the reflection out of uh, Mike's glasses. Oh. I flip it around, and it still does it. Might try that? Yes, you may. Circular does not work like that. One side works. The other side does not. Oh. There is no polarization if you don't have this correct. That is the circular. So the circular has to be mounted correctly. That's a Koken. A Koken. I have a Koken. Yes. Mm -hmm. So so this is a better made. The The, the difference between them is uh, there's an additional piece of polarizing material called quarter plate material that they take a linear polarizer 
and they mount this additional piece of material, quarter wave plate. Wow. So now you've, they'll say, well, a linear is a slight bit sharper because you're putting more into this. There's another piece of material. There again, keyboard commandos, who knows? You can, these things are pretty dark. They may be two yeah. stops. Keyboard They're, commando is someone who goes online in the middle of the night. <laughs> and just yeah. that a, that's right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> now, one thing to remember, fingers. don't wear polarized sunglasses. Exactly. Polarized, because you'll wonder, why is my camera's viewfinder not working right? Point number seven coming up here. Oh. You can use these also as um, uh, neutral density filters. Yes. I was take say, them to that's, the max. that's what I like to do if you have two of those. Yeah. So uh, it, they're also difficult to use, though, if you use too wide of a lens. You may not get even distribution of polarizing light over them. You can use also, because there is a thickness to these, they also make a thin series polarizer in both. That helps with the wide angle, moves it in. No vignetting. As Mark mentioned, remember to remove your polarizing sunglasses. They can cool your image down. Uh, I've seen that, experienced it, and they make warming polarizers because of that. So there's numerous versions of these out there. The location of the sun changes everything it doesn't have to be sunny out but if you want the rich skies yet to keep the sun on your shoulder right. you need it to be at an angle and then simply just turn them for the best look or the best view a little minimum to max but if it's an overcast day you're getting a lot of glare off things and they can do a remarkable job there too so my opinion uh i'm with mark this is one filter that you should have in your bag i love using it with black and white and color both how would you mount? Oh, that's broken. That's this why one's it's... broken. The ring's out, yeah, because okay. normally well, it goes in here. If you had a series filter holder for it, it might, It might hold it in. It might yeah. be correct, yeah. Did so you uh, making a variable ND, or did you just say ND? Um, I just said ND, but it, and it would be variable because you could choose the amount. Well, I've, I've done that. Um, if you put two polarizers together and rotate one of them, you eventually get... You end up with a infinite ND filter, a variable yeah. ND mm-hmm. filter. So, yeah, I've... I have one of those, and it's sold like that, and it's just two polarizing discs inside. Yeah, I've got mm-hmm. yeah, I've got one too. But yeah, in, in a pinch, if you happen yeah. to have a couple in a box. Yeah, there you go. Why can't I see anything? That's right. And that's the the magical world of why sometimes your polarizer fails you. You may be using the wrong one. I've gotten underexposure with polarizers and probably just grabbed the wrong one. So because I meter through them, yeah, of right. course. So yeah. Huh. Well, thank you very much, Leslie. Sure. <laughs> sure. Hey, you're welcome. And that concludes this broadcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us. Podcast at filmphotographyproject.com. Tell us what's going on. Tell us how you're doing. Tell us if you enjoy the show. What show? <laughs> we'll see you soon. Hey, two weeks. Two weeks. Thank you.